Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome, everybody, back to Day 7 of the ACB 2021 Conference and Convention. Better together wherever we are. Wow, what a wonderful day we had yesterday. It was so exciting to see us complete our candidate elections. Congratulations to all of our uh, returning officers, board of directors, and board of publications, uh, board of directors. Uh, We will have an opportunity a little later this morning to hear from our remaining winning candidates from yesterday. And I just wanted to take... uh, one minute for a few announcements. Uh, so first, uh, we will have a special order motion tomorrow that will be considered. It will be a full election with individual vote now votes as well as an affiliate roll call. It will be a record vote. Uh, this special order motion will require a two-thirds uh, approval by our membership. Uh, We will have the special order vote discussion uh, tomorrow after uh, kind of in the same format as what we've done for our other elections. And the agenda for Friday will be coming out this evening before the banquet. So everybody should see Friday's agenda prior to the uh, banquet this evening. Uh, Hopefully everybody had an opportunity to get the information on the special motion that was sent out to leadership conversation and is being posted today through constant contact and the convention list. So please read over the motion, the key uh, milestones and guidelines that support it. And we look forward to not only uh, voting on the motion tomorrow, but also having uh, time for debate in our general session. So thank you so much for that. Uh, Also want to remind everybody that we just have a few uh, Braille Forum raffle tickets remaining. They're $50. They can be split by up to five individuals, or you can go in by yourself. So if you want to get in for that opportunity to win $5,000, $1,000, or $500 for the, uh, for the Braille Forum uh, raffle drawing tickets, please contact the Minneapolis office. That's 612 332-3242. Again, 612-332-3242. We also would encourage everybody, please, if you can, join the monthly monetary support program. It's just a fantastic way to give back to the American Council of Blind. Small amount comes out of your credit card or your check each month. This uh, pledge can be split between ACB and your favorites uh, affiliate, either your state affiliate or your special interest affiliate. Uh, If you would like uh, to learn more about the monthly monetary support program, you can email uh, Gene Mann, our MMS uh, 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 committee chair, and you can reach her at askacbmms at gmail.com. Again, that's askacbmms. MMS at gmail.com or give her a call at 202 743 0755. 
That's 202-743-0755. Leave a message, and I promise you, Gene will call you back very shortly. So thanks so much for everybody who's already uh, joined Monthly Monetary Support or up their pledge this week, and we really appreciate all the support you're giving to the American Council of the Blind. I would like to officially call the seventh day of the ACB Conference and Convention to order, and uh, I would like to now introduce for our Pledge of Allegiance today our DKM first-time winners, and they're Kayla Allen from Mesa, Arizona, and Belinda Collins from St. Paul's, North Carolina. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. To the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you very much, Kayla and Belinda, for that wonderful pledge of allegiance. And congratulations on being DKM first-timers. We look forward to seeing you all in person next year in Omaha. Now, I would like to take this opportunity to introduce Tony Stevens, our ACB Development Director, to present our convention sponsors. Thank you, Tony. Hi, everyone. This is Tony Stevens, Director of Development for the American Council of Blind. I'm excited to share with you today our corporate sponsors for the 60th Annual ACB National Conference and Convention. So here we go. For our diamond sponsors, Microsoft, Google, J.P. Morgan Chase and Company, Comcast, and Facebook. For our enrolled sponsors, Charter Spectrum, Vespero, Amazon, Verizon, Vanda Pharmaceutical, and for our Ruby sponsors, TrackPhone Wireless Incorporated, Ira, Waymo, National Cable and Telecom Association, AT&T, LinkedIn, Perkins School for the Blind, Cruise and Adobe. For our Onyx sponsors, Democracy Live and Humanware. For our Coral sponsors, National Industries for the Blind, National Library Services, and Library Users of America. And for our Walk sponsors, the Macular Degeneration Foundation, National Industries for the Blind, and Vanda Pharmaceutical. Thanks to all of our corporate partners for supporting this year's conference and convention. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you, Tony, for those wonderful uh, convention sponsors. And now uh, I would like to take this opportunity to introduce our winning candidates from yesterday. Uh, first, I would like to introduce Connie Sims, who will be serving a one-year term on the ACB Board of Directors. Connie is from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Welcome, Connie, and congratulations. Thank you, Dan, and thank you to ACB membership. I um, want to congratulate uh, Landslide Doug for his um, win, and I also want to congratulate Chris for his win. Um, they were both good races, and I think they will both do wonderful jobs. Um, Doug, again, on as an incumbent, and Chris as a new-timer. Um, I've worked with Chris before, so I think it will be great to work more with him. Um, I truly want to thank um, my team, I would call them, um, Sheila Young, Anthony Corona, uh, Pat Sheehan, and Doug Pitts for um, all their support and helping me 
Um, I really would like to thank my husband, Seth, who has been my rock and supporter through my whole, our whole marriage and um, through all of this. And it always encourages me. And then my, my parents, um, I wouldn't be the advocate I am today if it wasn't for them who taught me at a very young age to advocate for everyone, um, not just the blind, the low vision, but for everyone in general. I was taught that everyone is equal. No one is better than each other. And um, we all have abilities and skills at different levels, but everyone can accomplish everything. And I hope I can help show that and bring that forward with ACB being on the board. Um, I will continue to do my hard work that I have been doing with the voting task force, looking forward to the 2.0 voting task force, my transportation, the health and wellness campaign. Um, I, I think that ACB is a wonderful family and I look forward to seeing it grow and hoping that we can all just continue to um, be inclusive and see diversity. So I just want to thank all of you for believing in me and for all the support you've given me. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Connie, and welcome to the ACB Board of Directors. Thank you. Next, I would like to introduce Chris Bell from Pittsburgh, North Carolina. Chris was elected to a three-year term on the ACB Board of Directors. Chris, welcome and congratulations. Well, thank you, Dan. And I want to thank the American Council of Blind community and this wonderful convention that has allowed us to exercise uh, our democracy as an organization, which is uh, truly terrific. And I know we will continue that in, in future conventions, even if we can meet in person, we'll still have a virtual component. I would like to thank um, the people that spoke on my behalf, namely Jim Kraft and Becky Davidson, and all those people who supported me in the election, who voted for me, as well as those people who didn't vote for me, but voted for Connie. I think uh, Connie is a great uh, addition to the board. She brings a lot of terrific uh, values and uh, imperatives, which uh, you've just heard about. And I certainly uh, want to join with her and the rest of the team in moving ACB forward from a very, very solid foundation. So thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, Chris, and congratulations, and welcome to the Board of Directors. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. And next, uh, I would like to introduce uh, Zelda Gebhardt from Edgeley, North Dakota. Zelda has been elected uh, for a second time, maybe officially her first term. We still have to figure that out exactly, but we'll, we'll make sure we have that right. Uh, so I would like to now introduce Zelda Gebhardt uh, from Edgeley, North Dakota. Welcome, Zelda. Thank you, Dan, and, and, and good morning, ACB. I, I am really pleased to be able to, to serve again on the ACB Board of Publications. It's been my privilege to be on it for the last two years, and I have really, um, really enjoyed getting to know the process. I feel like I'm now in a position to, to really, um, really contribute to the whole process of, of the Board of Publications. Um, Please know that I'm dedicated to serving each, each and every member. 
Um, the BOP is small. We're just five. And, and right now we're currently five women, but um, we are small, but we're mighty. And, and we're here to do your wishes. Um, please contact me to share your concerns and ideas. Um, know that that's always welcome. And I'm not going to share my contact information right here, but mm-hmm. you can receive that by going to the ACB website and look on the candidates page. My information's on my candidates page. So I also invite you um, to attend our monthly BOP meetings. Um, they're on Zoom and they're also streamed on ACB Media the first Tuesday of every month. So know that you're always welcome at those meetings. Um, we do have an opportunity on the agenda for anyone to share. Um, and, America. And, and I agree with that sentiment also. <laughs> but um, please look for reminders to for that meeting, um, which will be on the leadership and um, conversation list. And once again, I want to thank you for um, having confidence in me to to work on your behalf. And um, again, don't don't be strangers. Um, connect and and let us know your opinions. Uh, we don't know how to fix something if you don't let us know. So, um, I again, I thank you for for reelecting me to the BOP. Thank you, Zelda, and congratulations. Next, we'll hear from uh, Penny Reader from Montgomery Village, Maryland. Penny has been elected uh, back, uh, reelected to the ACB Board of Publications as a Board of Directors. So, Penny, welcome. Thank you, Dan. And thank you, everyone, for voting for me. I really appreciate it. Um, I want to congratulate Deb for moving on up and thank Mark for the great job that he did uh, as first vice president. And also congratulate Katie. I can't wait to be working with you as chair of the BOP and to Zelda and to Cache. Um, and I want to thank Susan and Paul uh, for uh, being there for me and helping me figure out what to do on the BOP. And uh, I hope you guys will continue coming to our meetings because we need you. And as Zelda said, our meetings are uh, streamed live, and they're also a place where everyone is welcome, and there's always a place on the agenda for everyone to speak, and um, the way we know what you want us to do is for you to tell us. So, as I've always said, it's all about communications with ACB. Communications uh, allows us to get to know one another and to communicate with the real world, the rest of the world, about who we are and what we do. And that's the mission of the BOP. So I'll do my best to fulfill that mission. And thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye, Penny. And congratulations, Penny. Thank Welcome you, back to the BOP. Thanks. And last but not least, our third elected uh, first for, their, for her first term to the BOP Board of Directors, I'd like to welcome Cache Wells from Jacksonville, Florida. Cache. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, uh, again, it is with great humility and um, zeal that I am just excited to 
uh, send my appreciation and thanks to the ACB membership for allowing me an opportunity to have a seat at the table and to be a part of this growing uh, organization. So I look forward to impacting uh, the members, impacting our communities for um the advancement of this organization. And I am so excited. I do want to uh, make sure that uh, I think uh, those that have supported me along the way, the ACB members that have encouraged me to just keep pressing and to keep being passionate and pursuing opportunities to just continue to grow personally along with this organization. And I, again, I am excited uh, for what is to come. I know that I'm going to be working with some amazing group of people, some amazing group of members, and I look forward to impacting not just this organization, but our communities all over. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cache, and welcome to the BOP. Next, uh, we are going to hear a, a special announcement before we move on to our angels. So I would like to introduce uh, Jeff Bishop, uh, Managing Director of ACB Media Network and also a member of our ACB Board of Directors and streaming and doing all kinds of wonderful stuff to keep this convention going this week. Uh, but we have had some conversation on both our leadership and conversation list uh, concerning a few outages uh, that have happened to ACB Media uh, during uh, our convention this week. So I thought I would be best to hear from Jeff and let him explain uh, what's going on and uh, what we're doing to investigate the issues. So Jeff Bishop, thank you, sir. Uh, yeah, thank you, Dan. Good morning, everybody. I hope everyone is enjoying your convention. Uh, we, uh, we've been working really, really hard behind the scenes and, and uh, streaming lots of content, at lots of media channels this year. And uh, there have been a, a, a number of issues. We don't know if we want to dive into all of that here. You can be rest assured Though, that we have um, lots of people on uh, all of the issues that ha have been encountered, um, and and they and they've been a little varied. So it's been a kind of an interesting um, uh, situation this year. But I just want to reassure everyone that we are uh, doing everything that we can to ensure that things are are, are stable and and uh, you know maintaining a, a, a good a stream for everyone. So. Um, We'll, uh, we'll, we'll share out more details with, with everyone uh, post-convention, and we're working really, really hard on all of the podcast editing and uh, all the things behind the scenes in that respect as well. We'll also have uh, content up on uh, ACB Media One starting this weekend uh, for replays of general sessions as well as primetime events on other channels, and we'll get that schedule out to you as soon as it's available uh, so that you can listen and catch up for things that you missed. So if anyone has any questions, they can write to support at acb.org, support at acb.org, and we'll be monitoring that email address, and we'll pick that information up and uh, definitely respond to you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Jeff, and thanks uh, to the broadcast team and all they do to, uh, you know, 
for, you know, just it's pretty obvious, but we are streaming basically live at least 12 hours a day for eight straight days. So there and in many cases for our breakout sessions, we have uh, eight concurrent channels plus a convention channel. So truly nine channels of live content coming out over the airway. So thank you, Jeff. And thank you, Debbie Hazelton and Rick Morn and, and all the hard work that the ACB radio team and ACB media network is putting uh, out there to, to bring this uh, convention to our membership. We really appreciate it. Next, I would like to take an opportunity to introduce our ACB Angels uh, for today. You will definitely recognize both of these names. Uh, first, Lynn Heddle uh, from Alabama, and second, Bonnie Byington from Kansas. And their testimonies are going to be presented by Tony Stevens, our ACB Development Director. So, thank you, Tony. Lynn Heddle from Friend. Nancy Pingraff. On April 9, 2020, Lynn Heddle made her transition from this life to the full expression of her angel life. It is my honor and my privilege to write some words of celebration of Lynn's life. At the time of her passing, she was vice president of the Alabama affiliate of ACB. She was also president of the Birmingham chapter, as well as the special interest affiliate, Friends in Art. So all three groups are sharing and sponsoring Lynn's place on the ACB Angels Wall. Nancy shares, Lynn came to the Alabama School for the Blind when she and I were sophomores in high school. We were friends from that time on. We went to our first ACB convention in 1981 in St. Louis. Lynn started work for the VA in 1984, initially teaching daily living skills. But for most of her time there, she ended up teaching computer skills. She worked there until the spring of 2016 and was very devoted to the veterans, many of whom remained her friends throughout the years after they completed their classes. She lived life to the fullest, and her warmth and humor were magnets for many friends. She was a gifted teacher, an avid reader, and a talented writer. When a thing interested Lynn, she had a way of magnetizing people of like interest to her. That quality is a primary component of her being such a good leader. She got interested in playing the heart, so several of her friends, myself included, Nancy added, became interested, and we all started learning to play the harp in her community. As long as she played, she participated in a harp circle. She played for veterans along with many other groups and places throughout Birmingham. Over the years, she sang in many choirs in communities and churches where she attended. Lynn's home is a place of welcoming and love, and if she was at home, she would create some of that warmth and inclusion in the gatherings that took place, whether she was a hostess or just one of the participants. She was such a loyal and cherished friend, and she is deeply missed by all who knew her. Bonnie Byington, from her son, Michael Byington. My mother, Bonnie, was a charter member of the American Council of the Blind. She was born in 1923 and died in 2006. Bonnie was the convention coordinator in the 1967 convention, while she did not remain consistently involved on a national level, she was, however, always deeply involved with the Kansas ACB affiliate. Bonnie was born on a Kansas farm in 1923. She had low vision from birth and was unable to use printed materials. Her parents sent her to the Kansas State School for the Blind in 1931. She graduated in 1943. She then attended Kansas State University graduating with a B.A. in Journalism in 1946. 
She worked toward a master's in social work at the University of North Carolina, but was hired away from this pursuit to become a social worker for the blind in that state. Bonnie, however, stumbled onto the fact that one of her bosses was embezzling state funding. She turned her boss in, and investigators eventually told Bonnie that they were uncovering graft at high levels, and for her safety, she should quit her job and leave the state. She left North Carolina quietly and returned to rural Kansas. She was told that she would be subpoenaed when her testimony was needed. The subpoena never came, and later she learned that a local newspaper reported her death in an automobile accident. She then found part-time work working for a rural newspaper in Kansas. It was not a great job, but it gave her a forum and got her some literary notice. She was able to use this to get a trial at the Wichita Eagle, at that time the largest newspaper in Kansas. When the Eagle learned that she was blind, however, the trial was one which would be illegal today, they said that they really didn't know if a blind person could do anything. So they gave her three months to prove herself. At the end of the trial, the managing editor said that she had done well, but said that all of their full-time reporters had a regular beat and they could not give a blind person a beat. She might miss too much. They offered her permanent half-time employment as a fill-in reporter. She asked if she could have until the next day to consider the offer, and they agreed. She then left the office and took a long walk. She had a lot to think about. There was no safety net at that time. Could she make ends meet? As she walked and thought, she realized that she was in an unfamiliar neighborhood. She was not concerned because she knew she could retrace her steps. She eventually smelled a newspaper. Newspapers of the late 1940s had quite a unique odor due to the printer's ink. Bonnie thus walked and sniffed and finally came to the newspaper building. She could not read the sign reading the name of the newspaper. She discovered an alcove by the front door, and she waited until the door opened and a receptionist answered the telephone. Labor Union Press, armed only with this information, she went in, asked for the managing editor, and inquired about half-time work. She explained her situation with the Eagle. It was such a unique story that the guy decided if she had the chutzpah to be standing in front of him, that she had a shot. He hired her on the spot for the half-time that the Eagle would not be using her, as they were a smaller operation. He said she would have many beats. That is how Bonnie came to be employed at two competing newspapers for a period of three years. Eventually, she scooped the Eagle on enough stories that they offered her full-time employment. She resigned at the labor union press and worked for the Eagle full-time for a few years. Eventually, she would quit as she had gotten married and was pregnant with me, Michael shared. Bonnie continued to work off and on in a number of different professions. She worked for two suburban newspapers, sold encyclopedias, administered a shared ride program, and owned a food truck. Her life was a series of firsts. Thank you, Tony, and thank you, Lynn and Bonnie, for those wonderful lives well-lived. American Council of Line will never forget you, and we appreciate the fact that you will now be on our ACB Angels Wall. Now we have the opportunity uh, to uh, present to you the Audio Description Project Awards. These were originally scheduled for Tuesday afternoon, but due to the length of our elections, uh, we had we relocated them here till Thursday morning, and it worked out really well since we completed our uh, candidates' elections yesterday. So I am so honored to introduce to you the chair of the Audio Description Project Awards Committee. Jeff Tom for our annual ADP awards. 
Good evening, everyone. This is Jeff Tom, chair of the ADP Awards Subcommittee. We are here today to present the awards that are given to organizations and individuals that recognize leadership in the description field within the wide range of its applications. This year, we are delighted to present achievement awards for both individuals and organizations in the field of performing arts and media, visual arts, museums and visitor centers, in the international arena, and special recognition awards. We also remember the contributions of Dr. Margaret Fansteel and Barry Levine with the Dr. Margaret R. Fansteel Memorial Achievement Award for Research and Development and the Barry Levine Memorial Award for Career Achievement in Audio Description. This year, we had more nominees than ever before and that made the work of the awards subcommittee all the more important and required difficult decisions. To present the awards today, along with myself, will be the founder of the Audio Description Project, Joel Snyder, who is our current senior consultant to the project, along with the ADP co-chairs, Kim Charlson and Carl Richardson. I also want to acknowledge staff Jolyn Bailey-Page and our two other subcommittee members, President Dan Spoon and Sean Barrett. For individual achievement in the performing arts, we want to recognize Megan Harms of Mind's Eye Radio. As arts and culture coordinator for Mind's Eye, Megan is dedicated to ensuring a rich landscape of audio description offerings in the St. Louis metro area which encompasses both Missouri and Illinois suburbs. When the COVID-19 pandemic closed arts venues in March, 2020, and the region's live audio described events dwindled, Megan worked to shift programming to virtual platforms. Megan began by audio describing videos for the community in St. Louis, and then worked with other performing arts organizations to develop audio description for their virtual or socially distanced offerings. Examples include description of the Starcloth Disability Institute's Dream Big Career Camp and the outdoor performing arts installation, A Late Summer Night's Stroll by the Shakespeare Festival St. Louis, which allowed the spirit of Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream to be shared in a socially distanced way Megan developed and debuted a virtual described ballet class in a partnership with Vitality in Motion. This four session class filled quickly with participants who were blind or visually impaired. Megan also added audio description for the Opera Theater of St. Louis for a virtual series at the Missouri Botanical Gardens and for self-guided tours at the Soldiers Memorial Military Museums. Megan, congratulations on this award. So during this pandemic, just like everybody else, Minds I had to just figure it out. We had to figure out what to do next. Um, it was a lot of self-preservation. It was a lot of, um, I'm not going to have a job if my job is audio description and all the theaters are closed. So I was lucky enough to have a background in virtual audio description. I um, am a contractor for 3Play Media, so I knew that it exists, that it's a possibility to have this um, description. Uh, and I knew that theaters were producing things or they were at least 
putting things online. So it just made sense to me that we had to do something because there wasn't any new audio description happening out there. So the first thing I did was I just contacted a theater, Shakespeare, uh, St. Louis Shakespeare Festival, and said, hey, I saw you have this video online. Can we describe it? And they just said, okay, whatever. And when I did that, I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, and it was literally just typing words into a Word document. And it was very hard. <laughs> And I, we completed it and it was great. It was a decent final product. Uh, but after that, I really said, we've really got to figure this out. So we really then took the time to um, find software to use and do a lot of training. I have spent more time in training in the last uh, year and a half than probably my entire adult life um, during this time. And before I was originally trained by Joel Snyder, um, but also the um, Audio Description Association and Vocali and really um, audio describers all around the world, people that I would never have had a chance to have any training with before during this pandemic. I've had uh, so much audio description training with people all around the world and I would not have been able to do it without them. I also, I couldn't have done any of this without my organization behind me, without Mind's Eye um, and my boss in particular, um, letting me have the time to figure it out. It wasn't a, I didn't have to worry about trying to hurry up and get things done. It was enough to just say, I'm trying, just let me figure it out. And because I had the support of Mind's Eye and also Mind's Eye's patrons, um, the people that I was constantly sending surveys to are constantly saying, can you watch this and see what you think about it? Or does this audio work? Um, our patrons who are blind and visually impaired were so helpful to me during this whole process. Um, it, it was amazing. So this award isn't just for me. It's for all of Mind's Eye. Even though it's an individual award, there are no individual awards. It's for me and for all of Mind's Eye and uh, everyone in our organization and everyone who has supported me. So thanks. As chair of the Media Subcommittee, it is my honor and privilege to acknowledge the next three recipients for their achievement and audio description in the media category. First off, we're going to recognize Roy Samuelson in the individual category for his achievement in audio description and media. Roy Samuelson, who is also known as the Voice of Hollywood, is a leading voice actor talent and a member of the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, who today has described over 1,000 titles in audio description, which include blockbuster films, episodic television, and streaming services. Some of his work include the Academy Award-nominated 1917, Star Trek Discovery, Bosch, NCIS, and my personal favorite, the last two entries in the James Bond franchise. Roy has also been critically praised for his work and advocating for the quality, professionalism, and inclusion of blind professionals in the field of audio description. He was recognized by SOVA, the Society of Voice Actors, with an award nomination in 2019 for his work in narration of audio description. He has started the Audio Describers Narrators of America Network, which is a group of audio describers where they talk about and, and advocate for audio description. He created a podcast called Know Your Narrator, which is an educational podcast to learn more about the professionals that work in the field of audio description, and also started an audio description description discussion group on Facebook. We want to thank Roy for his hundreds of hours of providing entertainment, 
and advocating for the quality, professionalism, and inclusion of the blind community in the field of audio description. Roy, as your personal friend, I couldn't be more proud of you and well-deserved. Thank you very much for all you do. Thank you. I'm particularly honored, as this award comes from the Audio Description Project, one of my most reliable resources and partners for years. When I started the Audio Description Discussion Facebook group with Kevin, I had an agenda and an admirable partner in crime. We sought to develop an accessible library of lively conversations about the nuances and strengths of audio description quality and excellence. In the last year alone, I've interviewed over 100 audio description blind and sighted professionals on the Know Your Narrator podcast. Growth has been manifesting on all sorts of exciting fronts. Visionaries such as Bold Blind Beauty's Stephanie McCoy work with my firm to produce Audio Description Awareness Day. We're looking forward to our third successful annual celebration in just 10 months' time. After three years and many hours of work, I can report that the Premier VoiceOver Awards, SOVAS, now includes three categories exclusively for audio description. After hundreds of hours of meetings and proposals, most recently with the Board of Governors at the Television Academy, I'm proud to share that the audio description narrators are, at last, fully eligible for active voting membership in one of the entertainment industry's most respected bodies, the home of the Primetime Emmy Awards. And with this formal recognition of our creative contribution, we have a seat at another important table where we can advocate for increasingly enriching diversity. All these are the reasons why I developed Kevin's Way, a process that will ensure all productions can guarantee a standard of audio description excellence upon which audiences may confidently rely. My partners and I know that the work we have put into these initiatives is not simply to put statutes on shelves. Now more than ever, diversity and inclusion are both social imperatives and business opportunities, which means there are no excuses anymore. These new opportunities for recognition strengthen both our blind community and the entertainment industry as a whole, and assuring that blind professionals are in a leadership position. This is what makes nothing about us without us true. And this award encourages me to continue making noise about the merits of audio description, and I invite you to raise your voices with me. Together, we can help an industry tap into an underserved and undervalued constituency, not by treating it as an afterthought, but by respecting its creative, social, and economic value, and by demanding parity and equity on behalf of the nearly 37 million blind and low-vision Americans who deserve nothing less than the same level of creative immersion that is presently enjoyed by their sighted brothers and sisters. Thank you again. And don't forget to alt-text your images that you post. And for this moment, uh, that would be sighted tall white guy with a black t-shirt that reads in Braille, Next, in the organizational category for their achievement in audio description, we would like to recognize the International Digital Center Audio Description Department led by Eric Wickton. Eric, during the pandemic, created a remote recording studio to ensure the safety and health of the writers, narrators, and audio engineers. They have also led the industry and in inclusion of blind talent in the creation of audio description. To date, they have used at least four audio description voice talent in the creation of audio description and have also hired blind audio description consultants to help the writers improve the quality of their writing for the blind and visually impaired community. They have also worked with a major streaming service to improve the quality 
and writing guidelines of audio description when it comes to describing diversity. We want to thank IDC for their work in including the blind community to giving a voice to those who are marginalized, to paying people what they are worth, and to improving the quality of audio description for all to enjoy. Eric Wick Wickstrom will be receiving this award. Thank you to the American Council of the Blind for this award. Uh, many people have contributed to us being here today. I want to thank our CEO and founder, Marcy Gilbert, for all she does to support our work. I want to thank Aaron DeWard and Scott Carroll for building the original foundation of this department. My amazing audio engineers, Warren Hibbert, Andre Kelman, Dave Hughes, Steve Kellner, Antonio Paneros, and Luke Thompson, thank you all for your superb work over the years. My incredible voiceover artists, I can't thank everyone, but I would like to acknowledge some of you who have done the heaviest of lifting with us over the years. Amanda Bruton, Emily Eden, Tony Gannon, Sri Gordon, Bill Larson, and Stuart Williams. Thank you all for sharing your talents. Uh, as mentioned, we began the process of working with blind and visually impaired narrators last year. I want to thank Thomas Reed, especially, for being the first person in and for helping us develop the workflows needed to do that work and the work that will continue heading forward. Uh, the writers, the writers, the writers, uh, far and away the most important part of the process, and I have been blessed with some of the best in the world. Brandon Harrison, Betty Capo, Richie Pepio, thank you. Uh, Stephen Christopher, not only a great writer, but no one ensures the quality of our work more than he does. Uh, Dakota Green, you came to us never having written a single word of AD, and now you are writing it for the biggest shows in the world. Your dedication to learning your craft has been incredible. Uh, Liz Gutman, not only the best AD writer in the world for my money and an amazing narrator, but also the kindest and most empathetic person I've ever met. Um, uh, her devotion to this craft and her commitment to evolving and elevating it Every single day is nothing less than inspiring. I could have not, I could not have done any of this without her. So thank you, Liz, for literally everything. Uh, and lastly, to the blind and visually impaired community, you are the reason we do this. Period. Uh, thank you for your feedback over the years and for holding us accountable, uh, for reminding us every day good enough isn't good enough. Uh, it has made us better, and it is very much the reason I'm sitting here today, humbled by this amazing award. Thank you to everyone. Next. We would like to give a special recognition award to JJ Hunt and Christine Malik for talk for their podcast talk description to me. Christine is a cultural consultant, and JJ Hunt is a freelance audio describer for film, television, and live events, and they both reside in Toronto, Canada. Since its creation in 2020, talk description to me has been granted unprecedented access to cultural events for the blind and visually impaired community. It is a form of accessible journalism. They have covered topics from the Portland protest to the Capitol insurrection to the Mars rover landing to even hand gestures such as jazz hands, video games, and many other things. This has been hugely valuable since many of the blind and visually impaired community do not have a way to visualize and interpret these important and cultural events in our lives and has been an incredible resource during the pandemic. And we wanted to thank Christine and JJ with this special recognition in creating a new way to describe cultural events that were previously not thought of and given more of a meaning to the world around us. Thank you very much. Carl, thank you so much. And thank you so much for this award. It truly is an honor. We thoroughly enjoy making talk description to me. 
noodling through current events and daily life, examining the challenging and emotional moments, and indulging in the sharing of joyful visuals too, and connecting with listeners who have embraced the show and supported us with ideas and camaraderie has made me a very happy person, and I hope a better describer, to be part of a community of description users, creators, and user creators is a wonderful thing. And being recognized by the ACB and the ADP is an extremely gratifying affirmation of that connection. I thank you for that. And if I may, a huge thank you and congratulations to my dear pal, Christine. Christine's grounded wisdom, intuitive insight, and curiosity drives the show. And her inspired, nuanced questions elevate each and every episode. Congratulations, my friend. Hi, I want to say such a heartfelt thank you for this. Um, We both really love working on the show and we find it incredibly rewarding in so many ways. And, but it's also true that when you work on something, you send it out into the world and you don't really know where it's landing. I mean, you can look at analytics and the numbers are exciting and we get some really great listener feedback, but an award like this makes me so much more conscious that our material does land places and it does affect people and it it maybe does change someone's perception or broaden people's worldview. And that is just so, uh, it, it really gets like, that's, that's why we do the work. And so to be recognized by such prestige, prestigious organizations as the ACB and the ADP is, it's so, so fulfilling. And I want to I was actually planning already to say this about JJ too, because working, we were friends before we started working together. And you can probably tell that in our podcast because we just have so much fun. And I feel lucky every week that I get to work with such a great human being and such a pro. And honestly, before we record, we just sit and blab for 45 minutes because we enjoy each other's company so much. And so it's, it's rewarding to do the work, but to get recognition like this takes it to a whole new level. So thank you so very much. Also in the media category, we want to acknowledge Imagination Video Books Incorporated of Denver, Colorado, with a special recognition achievement award for contributions to children's literature. As a librarian, this one is especially important to me. Imagination Video Books Incorporated was founded in 2019 by Richard Riemann, the audio book wizard who has narrated and produced hundreds of audio books and is the author of the award-winning book, The Author's Guide to Audiobook Creation. He created Imagination Video Books to fill a gap that existed in the world of children's illustrated books so that all children could fully enjoy them. Imagination Video Books makes it possible for children ages three to eight who are blind or have low vision to see the pictures which tell the story. Descriptions of artwork can dramatically improve a novice reader's comprehension at a critical time in their development. Imagination Video Books draws from the audio description community for writers, narrators, and producers, many of whom are blind or have low vision. The 
audio described videos are described by the described and captioned media program, which adds captioning and makes the videos and accompanying books available to children, parents, and educators. Beyond video versions of the described books produced for the DCMP, Imagination Video Books has a separate audiobook division, Illustrated Audiobooks. Through distribution partners such as findaway.com, audiobooks with audio description are being published to Audible, audiobooks.com, Google, Apple, Hoopla, Chirp, Downpour, Libro.fm, and over 20 other distribution platforms, including public libraries. Accepting this special recognition award is Richard Raymond. Hi, I'm Richard Raymond, known in Denver as the Storybook Wizard. As an audiobook narrator, I noticed there was a gap in the audiobook world. Children's illustrated books didn't make great audiobooks without the pictures. So I thought, how about if we level the playing field by adding audio description of the pictures and the still images from the children's illustrated books to make the experience a great one for all children, blind, visually challenged, low vision. And here's an example of what we're creating. Ricky, the rock that couldn't roll. His friends didn't get it. Come roll, they would chant. So Ricky tried, but replied, I'm sorry, I can't. With the others gathered around him, Ricky's eyes are closed with the effort and sweat comes off his brow. Bria, the ladybug, tries giving him a push. But the rocks were determined. They were sure they could solve Ricky's flat-sided problem and help him revolve. So Marvin the boulder, with his impressive physique, carried Rick all the way to the hill's grassy peak. Then he pushed him downhill, yelling, Keep rolling, kid! But Rick didn't roll. He just kind of slid. As Ricky speedily slides down the steep hill, he says, This feels like a bad idea. Audiobooks and videobooks with audio description. Thank you so much to the American Council of the Blind and the Audio Description Project for this special recognition. It gives me great pleasure to present the Achievement Award for an individual in visual arts, museums, and visitor centers to Stacia Boyd, President and CEO of Q Media Productions, Winter Garden, Florida. Quote, providing accessibility isn't about showing a spotlight on a disability. It's about removing obstacles between your stories and your visitors. It's about people, not limitations, unquote. This quote from Q Media's website highlights the driving force behind Stacia Boy's work at Q Media Productions. Since its creation in 2002, her company has focused on accessibility in the production of its mobile tours. An experienced audio describer, Stacia also consults on ADA issues and presents accessibility workshops as they relate to visitors with vision and hearing loss. 
She asserts that people with disabilities aren't special visitors. They are visitors, period. They go to museums for the exact same reasons as any other visitor, to experience whatever is offered, to connect with stories, to experience nature, history, and art. Accessibility programming often requires trade-offs, sacrifices, and pragmatism. But Stacia believes it is crucial, legally and ethically, that her clients allocate resources to a broad range of accessibility initiatives, not just in terms of programs, but in training, awareness, and outreach. A visitor to the audio described Wright Brothers Museum remarked, there is no way to express how influential her work has been. Stacia works hard to ensure the wording, location, description, and all aspects of our experience are wonderful, from walking in the front door to the last exhibit in the facility. One thing which she highly recommends is having a blind or visually impaired individual involved in the planning, so we have the same access to museums as our sighted peers. Examples of Stacia's work include audio-described tours of the Walt Disney Family Museum, San Francisco, the Wright Brothers National Monument, the Holocaust Museum in Houston, White Sands National Monument, Klondike Gold Rush Monument, and Mount Rushmore National Memorial, which won an award for digital media in 2019 from the National Association of Interpretation. On a personal note, uh, my wife and I came to know Stacia at our Las Vegas convention, and spending time with her was one of the all, our all-time convention highlights. Congratulations, Stacia, on this award. First of all, everyone, thank you so much, especially a big thank you to the American Council of the Blinds Audio Description Project uh, Awards Subcommittee. Uh, thank you so much. This is quite an honor, and I am so pleased. Uh, there are so many people that I would like to thank, and uh, the first one, obviously, I have to start with Joel Snyder um, and the Audio Description Project and the Audio Description Institute, uh, which I first attended in Orlando, which I believe was in 2009, which was my first opportunity to really learn uh, about audio description. Um, up until then, for the previous 11 years or so, my husband and I had been uh, working in museums, doing audio tours and mobile media content. And this is a new opportunity for us. And Joel really opened my eyes in a lot of ways, no pun intended. <laughs> um, after that, the next person they really need to think would be um, Jeff and Leslie Tom. In 2015 in Las Vegas, uh, they uh, volunteered to mentor audio describers who were, who were coming to learn and to relearn and to expand our knowledge. And as part of that experience, uh, I just want to tell one quick story. We ended up going over to see the CSI exhibit. Uh, they wanted to see that. So off we go, navigating a cab and getting in and out of the hotels and the casinos and getting to the exhibit. And that experience for me was actually probably the first time of ever being with someone who, was, who could not see navigating the world and going to see an exhibit. And I remember one moment very clearly when we were up at the, the desk and we were getting ready to, to, pay, our, to pay our fare, enter the, the museum, the experience. And um, the person behind the desk, uh, as Jeff was standing there with his wallet ready to go, uh, looked me straight in the face and said, do they want to go in? And I remembered that moment so clearly. It just it it just pierced my heart. Um, and at the same time, it was like I realized at that moment, I kind of knew it before. But that was the moment that drove me home that the experience for a person who is uh, wanting to see an exhibit 
is not the same as someone else's if you don't start from the same position that, that you're responsible for that visitor and that guest from the moment they come in. So that learning experience has just been, was, was a, a critical one for me. Um, also at that same conference, I met uh, Dan and Leslie Spoon, who uh, we found out also live here in my hometown, Orlando, uh, and through them became uh more than I think the hopefully than colleagues, but also also friends. We certainly enjoy our, our lunches and dinners every once in a while. Um, and then Dan uh, introduced me to Sheila. Sheila Young, president of the Florida Council of the Blind, who over the years has been become invaluable to me personally as a friend, um, but also as a colleague, as an access consultant uh, for our projects with Q Media. And she has come with me on several of our projects, too, in particular, um, Wright Brothers National Museum and Holocaust Museum Houston. And again, to for it's one thing that I can say to a, a client or someone, these are best practices, but if when Sheila says it, it's completely different and has uh, the weight of authority and experience. And as a team, we I think we work really well together. So I want to thank her and also for the nomination. And the last person to thank, um, of course, is my husband and partner, Michael Lutz, who makes all of these things possible. The person who does the recording and does the editing and makes sure that everything is, is heard and put together and assembled in ways that make sense and checks my writing and checks everything else. Um, he is my right hand and I cannot thank him enough. Uh, thank you again, everybody. This is a, truly an honor, truly an honor. Thank you. I want to acknowledge the, the next award, the Achievement Award for an Organization in Visual Art Museums and Visitor Centers to recognize the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Museum. And the award for this museum, which is in Colorado Springs, Colorado, will officially be presented Friday evening, July 23rd, during the Opening Ceremony Olympics pre-show program hosted by myself and Clark Rockfall. And we will be um, presenting the award then along with a lot of other interesting information about the Olympic and Paralympic Museums. So stay tuned for that program on Friday evening to learn more and to see the award presentation. This year, our International Achievement Award in Audio Description goes to the Association of Blind Citizens of New Zealand for their years of powerful advocacy on behalf of audio description in Otoroa. New Zealand has no legislation requiring media accessibility for any audiovisual content. As a result, this landscape has evolved slowly and community advocacy has played a crucial role in enabling the launch of captions and audio description on linear TV. The Association of Blind Citizens of New Zealand is the leading blindness consumer organization and one of the oldest advocacy organizations in the disability sector in New Zealand. Blind Citizens New Zealand worked and campaigned for many years with the community, government, and broadcasters for the introduction of audio description. Finally, in 2011, after years of advocacy, audio description became a reality in New Zealand. Since 2011, audio description has grown at a steady rate from an initial 
pilot of Coronation Street, New Zealand now has around 80 hours per week of audio described content on free to air TV. So often, the people who have to advocate for necessary change are those who are affected. And so often, they do not receive the recognition they deserve. Despite the legislative landscape, the Association of Blind Citizens has affected positive change in Otoroa. Rose Wilkinson, Executive Director, will accept the award on behalf of Blind Citizens of New Zealand. Thank you. As I said to Jolyn, I could hardly contain my excitement when learning that Blind Citizens New Zealand has won this prestigious award. As it happens this year, Blind Citizens New Zealand will be celebrating our 75-year history, and this award will be amongst those celebrations and pride of place. A quick acknowledgement also to Sophie and the team at ABLE for the nomination, and I'm now handing over to my National President, Jonathan Godfrey. Um, thank you. Look, I think I'd really like to thank the American Council of the Blind for this award. Um, it recognises the advocacy efforts of a very large number of people in the end. Um, we've been doing this for years. There's too many people who've been involved in this work to start listing them all. Audio description benefits everyone in the blindness community, not just our members. Many of those people have returned to enjoying television after years without that enjoyment. It's great to be able to talk with sighted workmates about our favourite television shows over morning tea for the first time in years. That's awesome stuff. Thank you. Greetings. This is Dr. Joel Snyder, founder of the Audio Description Project and currently its senior consultant. We are pleased to offer the Margaret Fanstiel Award for Research and Development to Dr. Anna Matamala from Barcelona, Spain. I've known Dr. Matamala for uh, upwards of two decades, and she is she has contributed so much to research in the field of audio description, which happens primarily in Europe. Dr. Matamala is on the faculty in the Department of Translation and Interpretation and East Asian Studies at the Universitat Autonoma de Barcelona. And she's a founder of the international research group Transmedia and Transmedia Catalonia. She holds degrees in translation and interpreting, including her PhD in applied linguistics. It really is not an exaggeration to refer to Dr. Matamala as one of the pioneering and leading researchers in the field of audio description. She's participated in and led several projects and published extensively on the topic. She's also the main organizer of ARSAD, the Advanced Research Seminar on Audio Description, held every other year in Barcelona. It is the only academic conference that focuses on audio description. Dr. Matamala has, has written over 50 articles on audio description, published in peer-reviewed academic journals, and was the co-editor of various volumes on audiovisual translation and media accessibility. You know, throughout Europe, audio description is studied as a form of audiovisual translation, dubbing, subtitling, media accessibility, audio description, 
and uh, with a special focus on language technologies, corpus studies, and user interaction. Well, at the Universitat Autonoma de Barcelona, she oversees multiple PhD theses focusing on audio description. And in, in her own research, she's paid special attention to the professionals producing audio description, as well as, of course, the consumers of audio description, which really speaks of the social impact of her studies and on the advance of this modality. Dr. Matamala is the author of the only book available in Catalan, which discusses this intersemiotic translation modality, Accessibilidad y Traducio Audiovisual, published by Yumo in 2019. Congratulations, Ana Matamala. Dear colleagues, dear friends, dear all, I am really happy and I feel deeply honored to receive the Margaret Fenstil Award for Research and Development. Audio description is one of my research passions and this acknowledgement from a user association such as the American Council for the Blind is really, really a privilege. In 2004, I went to London a long time ago, uh, to a conference on audiovisual translation. And there I attended a presentation by Dr. Joel Snyder and became fascinated by audio description. How to translate visuals into words, how to select what images to convert into words, what words to choose, how to voice an audio description, how to train future professionals, how to make it a recognized profession, how to cater for user needs. There were so many questions, so many questions for me, that when I went back to Barcelona, I decided that I wanted to research audio description. And this was one of the best decisions I've made. Together with Professor Pilar Orero and other colleagues, we started the Transmedia Catalonia Research Group with audio description as one of its main research topics. And since 2007, we've organized RSAT, an international conference on AD, and we have researched AD from many, many perspectives. But I would like to highlight, I think that one central aspect are users. Our research involves audiences, because audio description is for them. And this is really, really rewarding. In all these years, our team has learned a lot from users and we hope to continue learning. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm really happy for this award and let's keep researching audio description for the benefit of all. Thank you. And finally, we present our highest award, the Barry Levine Memorial Award for Career Achievement in Audio Description. This year, the award is presented to Thomas J. Lidkowski, Vice President of Accessibility and Assistive Technologies at Comcast. Tom is a tireless advocate and innovator in the audio description and access field with over 30 years of experience increasing access to video programming, audio description, internet, broadband, and connected hardware and software technologies for individuals who are blind or visually impaired. Prior to joining Comcast, Tom was the Director of Accessibility at AOL for more than 10 years. Before that, he held leadership positions at WGBH Media Access Group, home to the Descriptive Video Service, Caption Center, and the National Center for Accessible Media, NCAM. Tom's accomplishments include overseeing the development of a talking 
television guide that has revolutionized access to video programming for people who are blind or visually impaired. He has led initiatives within Comcast, bringing a new focus to how a major corporation looks at accessibility and has turned Comcast into a true industry leader in the accessibility space. Tom continues to guide the work in the Comcast Technology Lab to ensure that its own technology can be built to comply with the requirements of the CVAA. The most noted example of this success is the Comcast set-top box, voice guidance, and the Xfinity talking remote. Tom has worked with Comcast executives to shape their view that accessibility is really an engine for innovation. Tom has worked with NBC, Comcast owns NBC Universal, that provides audio description for televised events such as the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, The Grinch That Stole Christmas, audio described in collaboration with the UK-based Sky TV, and the Olympics and Paralympics. Tom has also served on several cycles of the Federal Communication Commission's Disability Advisory Committee, providing his own unique perspective as a consumer and industry leader to bring access, audio description availability, and overall progress to telecommunications advancements for people who are blind or visually impaired. His leadership in all of these roles was recognized by the FCC with the presentation of the Chairman's AAA Award in October of 2020. It's my honor as a longtime friend and colleague to present this award on behalf of the American Council of the Blind and the Audio Description Project to Tom Litkowski. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Carl, Jeff, and the awards committee. Wow, this is uh, it's a great honor, and I am truly humbled uh, to be receiving this distinguished uh, award. You know, I've been fortunate in my career to work on some exciting projects and bringing live audio description to the musicals that we've done on NBC, uh, the Olympics, and more recently, the Paralympics, and then the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, the 4th of July broadcast that recently happened, um, isn't just one person driving all of that. And it really does take partnerships on many levels uh, for uh, someone like me to be ac- actually honored in the way that, that you are doing today. Um, you know, it's the teams at NBC and Comcast that uh, do the work. You know, I come up with the idea, perhaps, or suggest something, and they deliver. And so we want to make sure that this award is really a reflection of their efforts. It's the describers and the folks that that deliver the content. You know, and it goes beyond that. It goes to the folks at ACB and the great relationship that Comcast and DC Universal has with with ACB. Uh, everyone from Eric and Tony and Clark and Kim and 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 all of the leadership. And most important, it comes down to consumers providing us the feedback when we do it right, and maybe when we don't always get it right, to provide and fuel the momentum that 
keeps our internal teams wanting to do more. It's, it's that feedback that really drives this forward. And so I want to thank Kim again for uh, the, the, the presentation. Thank you to the committee for recognizing my and Comcast NBC Universal's efforts in the audio description space. And let's continue to build on this and bring it to even greater heights in the future. Thanks again. Wow, what an amazing set of Audio Description Project Award winners for 2021. Thank you to all of them. It truly is partners like these that are changing our lives in the blind and low vision community. You are helping us become part of the social fabric and integrated with day-to-day workings inside of our society. We now get to enjoy movies, plays, uh, participate in streaming services, and just be good old regular members of our society and share conversations around the water cooler and at the local pub. So thank you so much for all that you have done uh, to help move audio description further in our country and for our community. Next, I would like to recognize Kim Charlson, co-chair of the ADP uh, Steering Committee, along with Carl Richardson, co-chair of the ADP Steering Committee, for all of their efforts this year. And Carl is going to take just a few minutes for a special recognition that the Audio Description Project Steering Committee would like to present to one of our favorite folks. So. Carl Richardson from Brighton, Massachusetts. Look forward to hearing your remarks. Okay, great. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. And that was uh, very inspirational to see all those award recipients. So about a half an hour ago, Kim Charlton, my co-chair, called me and said, Carl, I need your help. I don't have any internet. And I was like, Kim, I'm just sitting down, relaxing, getting ready to watch the, the general conference. I just got my Coke, and I was making popcorn, and I had just walked a dog, and I hadn't showered, and I said, I don't really want to go on. And she goes, but you don't understand. It's to it honor Dr. Joel Snyder. And I said, well, then I would be happy to. So I ran quickly into the shower, shaved, chain, found an iron shirt. And while I don't have prepared remarks, because this was a bit last minute, I do have remarks that'll come from my heart. And I am thrilled to honor Dr. Joel Snyder founder and senior consultant of the Audio Description Project, originally, previously, executive director of the Audio Description Project that started more than 12 years ago. <clears throat> but before the Audio Description Project, Joel has had uh, a 30 to 40 year career in the field of audio description. He started working with the radio reading service in Washington, D.C., where he would describe the Sunday comic and then started working with the Washington Ear and the likes of Dr. Mark, uh, Dr. Stanfield. And he started his own company called Audio Description Associate. He has done audio description for film, television, theater, performing arts center, national park, and under the Auspices of the Audio Description Project. He has held more than 20 audio description institutes where he has trained hundreds of people who work in the field today now who are writers, technicians, editors, voices, 
producers of audio description, and that has had a huge impact on all of us. He has also written a book called The Visual Made Verbal, which is now now available on Bard and Bookshare. If you guys want to download and access and read the book, and it's a little bit about the history of audio description and what makes for quality audio description. I have served with him on the FCC Disability Advisory Committee, where we most recently wrote guidelines for quality audio description. And then, not that that was not enough, 12 years ago, he founded the Audio Description Project, which has six subcommittees. They had the five away. And I'm not going to go into detail what the committees are, but I just want to give you an idea of the breadth and depth of what this committee does. There's the Section 508 Committee. There's the Media Committee. There's the Performing Arts Committee. There's the Award Committee, the Conference Committee, and the Badia Committee. A total of six subcommittees and a steering committee made up of about 25 members who are dedicated to, along with the guidance from Joel Snyder, trying to advocate for more audio description and, more importantly, quality audio description. And I have been on this committee for about five, six years, and I have learned a lot from Joel, and now I'm proud to also call him my friend. So I just wanted to take this moment to recognize Joel as he stepped down from executive director, but he is not going anywhere. He's still a founder and senior consultant, and he's still putting on the audio description institute. He's working on a grant from Google, and he still serves on many of the subcommittees and is a very valued member of the audio description project. So we just wanted to take a moment to honor Dr. Joel Snyder and at this national convention for all to know what Dr. Snyder has accomplished. Joel, thank you very much for all you've done for improving the lives of the blind and visually impaired community through audio description. One, oh. two, three, <laughs> hip, hip, hooray! Hip, hip, hooray! Hip, hip, hooray! All right, Dr. Joel Snyder, let's hear a few words from you, sir. Oh, my... Uh, this is... Um, uh, uh, a great surprise and and a great honor. Uh, I was not expecting this. And uh, wow, uh, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Carl. Uh, everybody on the steering committee of the Audio Description Project. Um, it has been a, a really a great honor to work with Audio Description for about 41 years now and get to know so many people whose lives are enhanced by audio description um, in this country and around the world, having done a bit of description work and training and speaking in 60 some countries now. So it has been uh, a life's work and uh, being acknowledged by the American Council of the Blind is very special because we would not have a, a fraction of what we have with audio description uh, without the American Council of the Blind and its active support going back going back to the 80s. Uh, so thank you, all of you, Eric Bridges as well, and, and the staff of uh, the American Council of the Blind. Um, wow. Let me share a few words about the ADP and what we've accomplished in this past year. And, you know, the purpose of the American Council of the Blind's audio description project is to boost levels of description activity and disseminate information on that work throughout the nation. Its major goal is to sponsor a broad range of activities designed to build awareness of audio description among the general public 
but of course, uh, among its principal users, people who are blind or, or have low vision. Our work throughout 2020 is our 12th year of activity uh, and on into 2021 has, has been particularly varied in spite of, uh, well, actually, I should say it perhaps because of the challenges presented by the COVID-19 crisis. Um, ACB, here's just another example of what ACB has done. They, this past year, it decided to increase its commitment to the vitality of the project by creating a staff position. I've, I've always been a contractor, you know, um, but now there's a staff position responsible for its coordination and the administration of the audio description project. And of course, that is the, the charming and talented JoLynn Bailey Page, uh, a dear friend and graduate of the Audio Description Institute, marvelous describer herself. I continue on, as uh, Dan and Carl mentioned, with the ADP as its founder, senior consultant, um, focused primarily on special projects, increasing, including rather our, our tremendously successful AD training programs. Um, you know, it, it, Carl mentioned all our committees. Every committee has done such great work uh, this past year, especially in performing arts, um, led uh, initially, of course, in this past year by uh, the late Denise Decker, um, but now so ably led by Sheila Young. Um, even as so many performance spaces have been closed, we continue to, to think of ways to boost description and performing arts as things open up. We're continuing work with the Broadway League on the possibility of audio description scripts for professional touring productions. Uh, we have a questionnaire went out to ACB affiliates in an effort to build our listings of performing arts spaces uh, and audio description offerings. Museums is also part of that committee that Sheila um, chairs. Uh, we sponsored and produced audio description tours at uh, the Smithsonian Institution. We helped initiate access improvements at the 9-11 Memorial and Museum uh, and the National Portrait Gallery. And we're advising the Motion Picture Academy of Performing Arts and Sciences regarding description for its soon-to-be open museum in Los Angeles. And we continue to collect information on AD tours available at museums nationwide. On our website, you know, you can find listed by state performing arts spaces and museums that have description. We want to keep building that. Uh, the website, of course, adp.acb.org. In media, well, we've been particularly active there in, in no small part <laughs> due to Carl Richardson, our extremely active chair. Um, we've worked with Charter Communications on the development of its app, Spectrum Access, for accessing AD via your own smartphone. Uh, as Carl mentioned, we've been active members of the FCC's Disability Advisory Committee. We were part of an NPR report on AD for last year's uh, Parasite and foreign films with subtitles. We've been advocating for more and better description on the various streaming services. Last December, we sponsored a special program on ACB radio. Will you, do you remember this? Of Christmas-themed media with audio description, including a visit from Santa Claus himself. How about that? Uh, and of course, our website, uh, coordinated by uh, so expertly by Fred Brack, adp.acb.org is the go-to place for information about media description, but, but also for information on all things that have to do with audio description. Susan Glass chairs our baby contest, baby, B-A-D-I-E, benefits of audio description in education. 
uh, which we sponsored in, in collaboration with the Described and Captioned Media Program. That program is thriving. For those of you who don't, don't know, find out about it at our website. We give awards to kids who, blind kids who write reviews of Described Media. Um, and, and then finally, our, our uh, audio description awards, and you just heard a lot about them this year, recognizes the very finest in audio description activity in the U.S. and around the world. Um, both last year uh, and this year, this, this week, we've coordinated a, a series of excellent workshops on us, all aspects of AD uh, as our ADP conference. It's a sort of a conference within uh, the ACB conference and convention. Uh, and, and please do, the rest of this week, tune in to our Audio Described Tours channel, which uh, we have gathered recordings of a wide range of audio described tours of museums and National Park Service sites from around the nation. You can travel the nation uh, right from your home uh, listening to the Audio Described Tours channel. Uh, and we've made important strides at fostering greater use of AD in federal government agencies through the work of our uh, Title 508 subcommittee, and Pat Sheehan uh, has been the one responsible for that. Finally, we've, we've now conducted, I, I count about 17 audio description institutes last July in 2020. Of course, the institute was canceled due to COVID-19, but we established a virtual institute that was held then this past March. And we have another one done virtually in just two weeks. Uh, I continue to speak virtually on uh, description at ACP uh, affiliate conventions, probably a dozen state affiliates now at this point. Uh, and at conferences all around the world to spread the good work about description and the audio description project. And I look forward to much more of that activity throughout 2021 and into 2022. Thank you all so much for the acknowledgement today. And thank you for your support of the audio description project. Joel, thank you for all your efforts over the years. You truly are our founder. And the ideas of Chris Gray and Mitch Pomerantz and Kim Charlson have come come true, and we are so proud of what the Audio Description Project accomplishes with inside the framework of the American Council of Life. Thank you so much. Next, uh, we would like to recognize one of our convention sponsors, J.P. Morgan Chase. You've heard their name several times this week. Not only are they a sponsor of the convention, but they also sponsor our J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow Awards each year. I think they've done that now for, I think, five, six years in a row now. I believe it's the sixth year. They are just a wonderful strategic partner of the American Council of the Blind. And today we would like to hear, we, we, we will hear from Lauren Opplinger, who is the Vice President of Finance Sales Group at J.P. Morgan Chase. She lives in New York. New York. And the opening code for this presentation, the CEC code, is 06754. Again, that's 06754. Lauren. Hi, everyone. I want to thank the American Council of the Blind for giving us this opportunity to speak with you today. My name is Lauren Opplinger, and I'm honored to be hosting this fireside chat with Jim Sanaki, the head of the Office of Disability Inclusion. Jim has been an instrumental part of hiring, retaining, 
and promoting people with disabilities. And his team provides the accommodations that allow individuals to be successful in their roles. Jim is a determined leader who has brought positive change to JP Morgan and is a role model for us all. I joined the firm in 2008 in the sales and trading training program and spent the first five years in equity and on the program trading desk. In 2013, I moved into public finance sales and I currently sit on the municipal sales desk covering bond funds, asset managers, money market funds, or tax-exempt and taxable municipal bond products. I'm legally blind in both eyes, so I have no peripheral or central vision. Because I can't read normal-sized font, I use text-to-speech software that allows me to both listen and magnify everything that I'm working on. At my workstation in New York, I had three large computer screens with two headsets and stickers and dots all over my phone and keyboard that allowed me to indicate particular keys or customers who were calling. There's so much that we could talk about, but I want to focus on accessibility, something both Jim and I have firsthand experience with. So Jim, JP Morgan has made huge strides to improve accessibility and deliver accommodations. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. I'm thinking back five years ago, I came out of retirement once I heard the pitch from the firm. And when I told my wife about the call I got after doing about 17 interviews before they they uh, gave me the offer, I, I said to my wife, Mag, they offered me the job and we had just moved from New York to Boston. And I said, you know, do you want to go back? And I was surprised by what she said. She says, Jim, if you go back, you can make a big difference in disability inclusion. And so, you know, we packed up our bags and, and headed down to New York. And the firm, in, in terms of recruiting me, was very honest in what they could do and did and what, what they didn't know how to do. And basically, I said, look, you guys have a great diversity program because I did my homework. And they were doing great with women, Blacks, Hispanics, and our other diversity groups. Um, but they said, Jim, we just can't seem to get the right vibe when it comes to disability inclusion. So I thought they were very honest about that, and that impressed me right away. And during the course of, of my discussions, I developed a, a deck uh, that I put together for them, which I paid $5,000 for out of pocket with a designer. And my wife asked me, Jim, why are you doing this? I said, listen, I've accumulated all this knowledge and, and work that I did that I think is valuable. Let me put it together for them. And I, and I brought the deck to, to Chase. And I, and I told Pat David, who was the uh, director of, of uh, diversity at the time, I said, look, here's my deck. I said, if you like what you have here um, and will consider it, I'll come down. If you don't like it, keep the deck and I'm going back into retirement. It was as simple as that for me. And they came back and said, Jim, we want you to do this. And, and we worked off that strategy, which uh, expanded. So I did ad ad admire the leadership here because they were really committed to doing this. And in the first few months, of, of, of my job, we started working on an accommodations team. And I worked on two things, the accommodations team and a policy letter, which the firm calls a standard. So for the accommodations team, I knew that existing people with disabilities in the firm who we didn't know much about, or at least I didn't, and people that would come in would need accommodations to do their jobs. And so about a year after I got in, uh, we formed My Accessibility Hub. 
which launched in October of 2018, first in the U.S. and the Philippines, and we had plans to uh, go global. And today, we just launched uh, today in terms of the time frame, we just launched in, in India in January 2021. But what that means is that we had put together a team of subject matter experts who look at the accommodation and we figure out what's the best accommodation we could provide internally in addition to externally. That includes captioning for people who were blind or deaf. It included the mobility impaired. It included the people on the autism spectrum and other kinds of disabilities, hidden disabilities, for example. So today, the Accessibility Hub has handled more than 30,000 requests for accommodations globally. And I think that's a huge um, number of requests to handle, which, which also includes uh, captioning. So uh, I, I think we, we came a long way with this. And we also have live sign language interpreters for deaf employees as well. So I think overall, we do have a good global program. And uh, we're not stopping in terms of what we know now. Uh, we're advancing in terms of what we want to do in the future. We're looking at neurodiversity, for example. And we're looking at for other ways to get people promoted into leadership positions. So, you know, we have a long way to go. Um, and I think we've got the right traction and the right leadership at the firm to do this. Thanks, Jen. We all know that accessibility extends beyond the office. You've been a big proponent of making airline travel more accessible for people with disabilities. Can you tell us a bit more about that? And then I'll share my experience with your team pairing me with a technology that allowed me to travel independently. Sure. I was appointed to the Air Carrier Access Act Advisory Committee in 2019. We have 19 members from airline carriers, the advocacy groups on the board. And our job is to figure out how to improve airline travel for people with disabilities. And that includes mental illness, deaf, blind, and, and, and really, more importantly, the big challenges with wheelchair riders getting on the plane. Uh, and this was kicked off in, in an in-person meeting in March of 2020, just before COVID uh, started. So for the past year or so, uh, we've been on meetings every, every week for a year, uh, for eight-hour days, going through all the issues around airline travel. You know, how to, how to stow wheelchairs, how to accommodate people with, with, with special needs on the plane, whether you're blind or deaf. Um, who do we allocate the uh, bulkhead seating to? Uh, how do we train uh, aircraft personnel to manage our wheelchairs or manage people with disabilities? Uh, what's the etiquette in dealing with people? And so all of that uh, we took into account. And we're, and we're finishing up our reports now, trying to send them to Congress and get approval for our recommendations. And this has worked well because we're working hand in glove with the airlines, airline personnel, and airline organizations that support uh, the airlines. Because the airlines employ people uh, to do uh, disability inclusion in terms of helping with allowing wearfaring to be in airports, for example, as Lauren, you just described. So I think we've come a long way. And one piece of good news I just got about two weeks ago was that I got invited to Washington State on behalf of Boeing to show me concepts about how they plan to 
uh, design airlines to take in uh, two or three wheelchairs per flight uh, with, you know, probably new bills for airlines, but maybe accommodating existing airlines that could do that. So this is a great uh, uh, win for us. And it's been a 30-year goal of mine to try to get some traction on this. And I, and I think we've come a, a long way to do that. So remembering back to the first time that I flew solo, it was a stressful, anxiety-ridden business trip from New York to Orlando. I got lost trying to find the check-in counter and had to ask strangers for directions. And it took a long time to get connected with the escort that I had requested well in advance through the airline. When I landed in Orlando, there was no escort waiting for me at the gate. And I found myself in the same scenario, asking those around me to help exit the airport. It was nerve-wracking the entire time. So the second time that I decided I was going to go on a business trip, I was going to be traveling from New York to Tallahassee with a connection in Atlanta. I was determined to travel alone. And I worked with Jim's team to test a new technology. The app allows you to connect with a remotely located agent who will guide you through check-in, past security, and to your departure gate while pointing out restrooms, restaurants, and convenience stores along the way. All you have to do is hold up your smartphone. When I landed in Atlanta, the agent guided me onto the shuttle train, directed me when to get off, up an escalator, and to my departure gate. And on my return trip, I only had 30 minutes between the connecting uh, flights, and I did it successfully. This entire experience was unbelievably life-changing for me because I had never felt more independent. Jim's team gave me the confidence that I needed to finally realize that I could safely travel alone. And for that, I'm forever grateful. Yeah. You know, I, I thought you were so brave to do that, and I was scared to death that something would go wrong. But you were a trooper, and I admired your independence and courage to say, Jim, I want to do this. And, you know, it, that, that, that um, wayfaring technology is, is not expensive to use. And the fact that you did it alone and, and was so determined, uh, you know, makes, you know, all the work we do, you know, worth it. And uh, I do appreciate uh, you sharing that experience. Uh, and I was more nervous than your husband or anybody else. So, um, but look, I I, I think that uh, you know I want to thank you for joining us here today, as as well as our uh, sponsors uh, here who asked us to come. So um, I think this is a great uh, thing to think about and great sharing in terms of letting people know what's possible and what can be possible. We just can't stop with the marginal uh, progress that we've made. We've got to go all the way. You know, we've got to get to the point where we're not just hiring people with disabilities, but we're hiring leaders in the firm that could be leaders of, of, of people as well. And so, you know, there's more to do. And, and, and I think with the right attitude and support, we can get there. Lauren, any, anything else you'd like to say before we end? I think the Office of Disability Inclusion has been an exceptional resource um, for new hires who may have a disability or if you find yourself in the middle of your career experiencing a new disability. Um, you know, since Jane, Jim joined, joined the firm 
five years ago, uh, the disability space has grown dramatically, and I'm just you know been thrilled to be part of it. And also, I think for both, for both of us, we're you know examples of um, success stories at at a great firm that um, has given us the ability to have the support, the technology, and the accommodations facility wise as well that um, we've been able to succeed. So thank you everyone for joining this. Uh, chat, and we hope that you enjoy the conference. Lauren and Jim, uh, I think our information access committee will probably be contacting you, Jim, uh, right after this convention to learn a little bit more about that uh, wayfinding app for remote access through airports. Living in Orlando, I sometimes get to experience those same uh, challenges that Lauren did on her trip down to Orlando. It can be really hard to find that, uh, you know, uh, assistant to help get you back from the uh, plane to uh, to baggage claim or to uh, outside transportation. But Lauren and Jim, thank you so much. And you all are just examples of a company that is not only uh, walk, talking the talk, but walking the walk. And so thank you, JP Morgan Chase. Thank you for being such a wonderful uh, supporter of the American Council of the Blind. And the closing code for CEC credits for Lauren and Jim's presentation is 60959. That's 60959. Now I'm honored to introduce our uh, General session uh, presenter and host for today, David Trott, our ACB treasurer from Talladega, Alabama. Hello, David. How's it going today? Good morning, Dan, or where the less part of you people live. Good afternoon. <laughs> we, we're excited to be here today. Uh, this has been an excellent convention. If you, if you look back, uh, it's extraordinary with almost 150 presentations. Uh, it's just awesome. Um, and, you know, I want to talk to you just a minute before I introduce our first guest um, about something I talked to you about during my campaign and Dan has talked to you about. We have reached over a million hours in volunteer hours, which equates to over $4 million in in-kind donations. So when you're participating or doing the chat calls or when you're volunteering to host a Zoom meeting. That is value to ACB and value to the membership. And I wish to issue you a challenge today. You elected me this week for my final and third term as treasurer. And I issued the challenge to you to let's reach two and a half million volunteer hours and over $10 million in in-kind donations before the end of my term. This would, would really be uh, great for ACB. It's great for our development team. It gives them something to show that ACB is truly an involved organization in what we're doing. At this time, I, I think it's time for our growth report. And I don't know who's doing that. Uh, I don't have it on my notes. But at this time, uh, Rick, if you would run our growth report. Well, hope everyone is having a great week at the convention. So much is going on and has gone on. It's a pleasure to be back with you guys. I'm Eric Bridges, Executive Director of ACB, and I'm pleased to be joined today by our Chief Financial Officer, Nancy Becker. How's it going, Nancy? It is going well, Eric. How about yourself? Ah, it's, uh, these are really, really busy times, but 
I, I think uh, things are going really well. And we're really happy to be here today to talk with you about the last several years within this organization uh, from a financial perspective and what that has really sort of enabled us to, to do for our membership in the broader community. And so much of the work uh, that is done that's external, uh, you see every day with regard to the advocacy initiatives, our communications, all of that. But what isn't always seen is the work that's going on behind the scenes uh, with Nancy and her crew, both in, in the Minneapolis office, but also within our thrift stores. And uh, Nancy and I work very closely. A tremendous amount of really good stuff has occurred over the last several years. And it's, it's uh, initiatives that, that the board, uh, the leadership of this organization has helped to, to lead. And what I thought we would do this morning is, uh, Nancy, have you kind of talk a little bit about the three accounts that we have uh, as the American Council of the Blind, what they are, uh, why they matter, and what has taken place in particular with these three investment accounts over the last, let's say, five years or so. We can't do what we do without funding, without a stable uh, stream of, of money. And these three accounts enable us to do the work of the organization, to keep the lights on, to employ folks so that we can provide services for the membership, as well as at times for folks outside our, our own community that call in and may be in crisis. So this stuff, uh, from my perspective, from an operational perspective, is critically important. And so, Nancy, why don't you kind of talk us through this? I sure can, Eric. Thank you. So first of all, I would like to let everybody know that ACB does have an investment committee that meets periodically to review our investments and how they are performing. And we, you can dub this, right? First, um, ACB, I'd like everybody to know that ACB has an investment committee that meets periodically to review how our investments are performing. And we also asked our investment advisor to provide insight on how, what the market trends are. That's right. And, and Nancy, our investment committee is composed of members of our board of directors. Uh, you you help to staff it. I'm, I uh, attend as well as Tony Stevens, correct? Correct. Correct. So we have a group of, I think, I think there's five people on that committee. Mm -hmm. um, the investment committee has an investment policy which our, our investment advisor utilizes when making investment decisions with our investments. So our investment advisor doesn't randomly just choose what to do. He has to follow our policy that we have set up with our three investment accounts. So ACB has three separate investment accounts, which are the restricted and endowed fund account, the legacy account, and the board designated reserve account. So the first one is the restricted and endowed funds account. And this one is restricted primarily for the student scholarships. And within this account, this is further restricted for specific scholarships. So there has been some donors that have given money for a scholarship. And so we keep that separate from the other scholarship awards. 
The second account is the legacy account funds. And this is provided, the, the second one we have is the legacy account funds and are provide, and this is, uh, just give me a second here. The second is the legacy account fund. And this is where the legacies and bequests go and it helps to meet our operating expenses. The third account is the board designated reserves. And this consists of unrestricted and reserve the reserves designated by the board. And it more or less functions as a rainy day fund, right? When we correct issues like last year. Correct. So this so if we need to take funds out for operating expenses, we need to request the money be removed and the board needs to approve any money that's withdrawn from this account. So there is some um there's a plan in place for having to remove money from these accounts. So then the next thing is the allocation of ACB's investments are based on a balanced portfolio, which means the risk level we are taking with our investments is in the middle. So ACB's rate of return when the stock market is having an outstanding year will be less than the market. But as you saw last year, when the stock market plunged, the value of the investments declined, but not nearly as much as the market did. The next thing is within these, um, the balanced portfolio, our assets are allocated further between equities, fixed income, and cash and equivalents. So you're asking where, 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 have we come, where have we come from? At the end of 2016, there were two investment accounts, which were the endowed and reserve accounts, and they were valued at $2.1 million. So at this time, ACB did not have a policy in place on how to allocate any bequests that we had received. So this led to an establishment of the legacy fund account in October of 2017 and a legacy endowment policy in 2018. The endowed policy defined how undesignated bequests would be allocated between the investment accounts and to ensure there would be sufficient funds in the board designated reserve account to meet operating expenses if needed. And as we saw in 2020, 2020, we did have enough money in our reserve account so that we were able to help meet operating expenses last year. Then in 2019, a legacy spending policy was established where the board would approve the use of a portion of the funds in the legacy account each year to help meet cash flow for the following year. And in 20 and 21, we did take some money out of the legacy account to help meet cash flow. And now you ask how much is in our investment accounts. So between the three investment accounts that we have at the end of June, 2021, the value of our investments is $5.2 million. Wow, what a story. It is a big change from what we were in 2016. So obviously, uh, some of this is market-driven uh, with you know the market continuing to charge forward and us having exposure to the market. But then in addition to that, uh, folks have, have uh, included us in their, in their estate planning. And that has 
helped us immensely and helped us uh, not just establish the legacy fund, but to actually have uh, meaningful monies in there uh, that, as Nancy said, we can, uh, you know, per the per the the policy, uh, take out a certain percentage every year uh, to help support the work of the organization. Isn't that right, Nancy? That is correct. I would say that we have been very fortunate in the last couple of years that we have had several large bequests um, come in to our organization. And we are very, very thankful for that. Absolutely. So there is another component uh, that is very visible during this time of year that all of us see during the convention. And, and that is ACB's relationships with, with corporate America. and. While we have had, you know, relationships with companies for well over two decades, it's safe to say that over the last decade in particular, as we have needed to advocate uh, around the area, the broad area of technology and digital accessibility, uh, we have been able to forge really meaningful relationships with a lot of very large and influential companies uh, that happen to be based here in the U.S. Some of this has to do with the implementation of the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, uh, but also a, just a lot of advocacy has gone on with these individual companies. And, and so it's been a different way of coming at uh, revenue, uh, but you know, a couple of our core values are collaboration and initiative and extending a, a, a hand or outreach with companies that may have had a product or a service that was accessible, but through a recent update or a new product being launched, something is no longer accessible to our community uh, or through companies just really truthfully not knowing uh, that their products aren't accessible and us reaching out, we've been able to forge some really dynamic relationships, which have been highlighted this week. To go along with that, as we have developed these relationships, one of the, one of the really unique aspects of what I believe is a, is a strength area for, for us as an organization is because of how we've uh, come at trying to solve these problems in a collaborative fashion and oftentimes succeeding, the, these companies are seeing the value in working with us and that it isn't just merely a transactional sort of thing. The companies that you see sponsoring ACB's convention this week, many of which we've been working with for five or more years, some are newer and that's fantastic. But my point in saying this is that uh, they understand the value, they view us as a, as a partner, and they want to give back to help support our mission. The, the accessibility journey is never going to end with these companies. It's, it's always going to continue on. And when you look back at our 2012 convention, we raised about $82,000 in corporate sponsorships. But if you fast forward to 2019, it exceeds $330,000. Uh, 
So a lot has happened. A lot of this is that we have developed a reputation as, as a leader and an influencer in this area. Much of it has to do with our own members uh, and their, their interest and desires for the organization to engage with companies. Also, you know, our committees, the Information Access Committee, as well as, as uh, leaders uh, from our board, um, have done tremendous amounts of work to help educate and make these companies aware of our needs. And that ultimately, our desire is not to have something that's accessible, but something that is truly usable to our, our community. And in many instances, we've succeeded. And you've heard about some of these specific examples over the course of this week. So, you know, I, I it's something that organizationally, we should be very proud of. But it's also gone a long way over the last decade to helping our, our own bottom line so that we can continue to do more uh, on behalf of, of ACB for our members and the broader community. So that's, that's, a, that's a really important area. And then really the final area, Nancy, I'll hand it back to you. It's an area that folks I don't, I don't believe have a lot of exposure to. Many of you may know that we manage two thrift stores in the state of Texas, um, and we've been in the thrift store business, gosh, for uh, likely over three decades. Uh, but Nancy, why don't you talk a little bit about the thrift store business and what it has meant over the last few years to ACB? So first you may ask, why is ACB in the thrift store business? That's a legitimate question. (laughs) It is. Why why is an organization that's supposed to advocate for the blind, why are they in the thrift store business? But the intent of ACBES is that the net profit from the thrift stores would help contribute contribute money to ACB. Um, Over the years, we have had... Um, a lot more thrift stores than we do right now, but we have found that the two thrift stores that um, are closest together have benefited us the most. So we are we right now we have our Amarillo and Lubbock, Texas thrift stores. So when you when we look at how much money the thrift stores have contributed to to us each year, it started out to be around $23,000 a year in 2015. And we did have, I think, about five thrift stores at that time to $336,000 in 2019. And when you guys say 300 or $336,000, that's about 15% of ACB's revenue. So that's, that is quite a bit of money that the thrift stores to do donate to ACB. And when you add that in with the convention uh, funds, uh, that's nearly 30%, correct? So that is correct. It's a significant amount of money, and uh, it also is a significant amount of time. Nancy is responsible for managing those stores, and uh, her colleague Erica Keller also uh, assists in that. And it's, it's, been, uh, it's been challenging last year. The, the stores were were closed for a while, correct, Nancy, as part of the pandemic? They were closed for, I think it was the month of April. And then when the stores opened up, the retail was a little bit slower than it was before. 
but we take care of everything from um, um, talking to the manager, looking at what the store needs, we're looking at marketing. So anything that has to do with the thrift store business, Erica and myself manage. And at times it can be a little bit challenging, but overall I do think that you know the benefit that we have is we are able to contribute to ACB. Yeah, it's uh, again, it's another really excellent story to to share that not a lot of uh, people really fully understand. And you know that's okay, but I, I do think that it, these are areas of our of the business of ACB that that are important for folks to to better understand. I know that uh, every year Michael Garrett as as he does as the chair of the ACBES uh, board provides a report. And um, obviously the last few have been really very positive, but wanted to kind of take you in a little bit to the, um, to Nancy's world and just talk a little bit about it. So Nancy, thank you for that. Any other thoughts before we depart? No, I, I actually, I'm, I'm enjoying the week. I think the convention is great. If you have um, participated in the convention and would love to, um, you know, shout out to us, we would love to see that. And I'll tell you something, I am so looking forward to getting together in Omaha in 2022. I miss not seeing members and attendees at the convention and throughout the year. I totally agree. It is uh uh, it is so much just, it's just so nice to be together. And I think at times we might've taken a little bit of that for granted. And the last, the last year has really shown us, um, that, you know, we, we can do this, uh, we can conduct a really successful virtual convention, but having people together, uh, being able to share in fellowship and, and just hang out, um, it's uh, it's hard to replace a hundred percent. So, looking forward to seeing you all next year in Omaha. And uh, please have a great rest of your convention. Take care. Well, hope everyone is having a great week at the convention. So much is going on and has gone on. It's a pleasure to be back with you guys. I'm Eric Bridges, Executive Director of ACB, and I'm pleased to be joined today by our Chief Financial Officer Nancy Becker. How's it going, Nancy? It is going well, Eric. How about yourself? Ah, it's uh, these are really, really busy times, but I, I think uh, things are going really well, and we're really happy to be here today to talk with you about the last several years within this organization uh, from a fi- financial perspective and what that has. All right. Thank you, David. Wasn't that just an amazing presentation from both Eric and Nancy? I really, uh, uh, it was good to have them just sit there and the two of them walk through that presentation and really explain to us the, the growth that ACB has experienced over the last five years. It is, and it gives uh, the membership an opportunity to, you know, they meet us a good bit, but a lot of times you don't get to meet the staff that we have. And we have just excellent staff. You know, I was so prideful to hear that report because we've come so far in a few years, uh, especially with MMA, uh, with uh, ACBES, because, you know, 
there was a time that we thought that program would go by the wayside and look at the success it is today. Uh, and that's to the hard work of, of people like Lane Waters and now Nancy Becker uh, and Nancy. You know, we, we just have so many, so many Nancy's, I can't remember them. But uh, we just have so many people doing such great work. Uh, before we go to break, too, Dan, if we're going to have a break, I'd like to enter, uh, to uh, announce today's winner of the MMS drawing, and that is Leslie and Jeff Tom. And also, someone asked me yesterday, uh, you know, if we were taking money in through MMS, uh, why did we give so much away? Well, the money we're giving away, the $120 gift cards we give away each day of the week, was donated by the members of our committee. And I'm going to do my best to recognize everybody. If I miss one, Dan, I'm sure you can help me out. Um, the two Michaels, that's Michael Garrett and Michael Godino. Then we got the two Dans, Dan Dillon and Dan Spoon. Uh, the one David, the one Richard, uh, that's Richard Johnson. And then uh, our chair who took over this year after a great, we had a great chair before her, uh, George Holiday, who retired this year. And uh, Jean Mann took over and she took over. Uh, like a tornado. She's got everything moving forward. And so everybody chipped in and we made it possible. Uh, our goal was to give away a hundred dollars a day. And actually we overshot that a little bit. We're giving away 120. So we'll have one more drawing tomorrow. So y'all stay tuned. But today's winner again is uh, Jeff and Leslie Tuck. Well, yes, David. I mean, I just want to thank the committee so much and uh, you know, George uh, really did a great job at kind of getting us structured and really getting us moving forward and really appreciate all his work and hope he's enjoying that retirement, doing a little fishing down there in Florida. I know, I know he was planning to, uh, you know, kind of uh, take a, take a little bit of a breath, but we really do miss George and Gene, you know, you know, it's like almost uh, the seven dwarfs, you know, Gene and uh, Snow White and the seven dwarfs that we're following Gene around. She does such a just a outstanding job of keeping us going and moving forward. And, you know, she's she's right there now, uh, you know, looking to, uh, you know, to get any new folks that would like to join the monthly monetary support uh, project. So how can they get in touch with her, David? Uh, let me see. You, you can email at askacbmms at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-M-M-S. I mean, I'm sorry. A-S-K-A-C-B-M-M-S at gmail.com. Or you can call our phone number is 202-743-0755. Again, that's 202-743-0755. And uh, when you're looking at this, I'd like to challenge you to really look at where we are. Our goal is 421 for 21. But if you look at our membership, that's only about 4%. So please look look into your heart. You know your situation. We don't want to push hard on that. Uh, but if you can, give as little as $10 a month. Five of it can come back to your local affiliate, half of whatever you give can. And uh, help us grow this thing. Help us meet the goal of 421 for 21. And David, I'd really like to take an opportunity. You know, the RDC uh, committee is going to be on a little later this afternoon to talk about, you know, the the walk and uh, and the auction, of course, and some of the great activities that are happening around uh, the convention this year. But 
I have to give a special shout out to Carla Rushable and her team with the ACB Mini Mall. Uh, gosh, you know, uh, we've had the Mini Mall Minutes on uh, each day with the connection shows, but Carla and Patty and her team are just working year round to build up our ACB Mini Mall. And I know last year, I believe her sales topped $32,000. It was just amazing. So uh, have you bought anything at the Mini Mall yet this year, David? No, I'm looking. I've been tied up this week uh, working for ACB, but I usually buy right after the convention. Rhonda and I go in and look. Uh, but we've got a lot of exciting new ACB branded uh, things this year and our get up and go campaigns coming up. There's a lot of stuff there. And also, we'd be remiss uh, when we talk about auctions. She won't be on today for it. And, and Leslie Spoon has very ably took over the Christmas auction as well when Carla uh, retired from that. But Carla kicked off our Christmas auction over and run it for several years, and it was very successful. So Carla's been a great, significant contributor to our fundraising for many, many years. I know she must have a huge smile on her face when she sees those numbers. <laughs> All those years of being the convention coordinator, and I believe her and uh, Brenda Dillon kind of got the whole sponsorship program started you know, well over a decade ago, and to, to hear those numbers that Eric and and, uh, and Nancy shared with us earlier, I mean, has to just bring a big, huge smile to her heart. Yeah, not only that, she, can't, she was here uh, serving on the board when we were kind of in financial difficulties. Mm-hmm. And I know it does her heart good to see where we are today. And, and Carla and I talked about this. Uh, Carla and I are good friends, and we've talked about this over the years. And we knew it could happen. We just needed a wedge to get in. And I give a lot of credit for that wedge being not only to our membership, but to Eric Bridges when he came in and started developing uh, the corporate sponsorships that he did. Uh, we just like, you know, it's not just the membership, but our staff. Uh, they eat, breathe, and sleep ACB. It's, it's just one of those things that uh, really makes, you know, the devotion to our programs like it is. Oh, I, I agree. It's just been absolutely fantastic. Eric, I think, really got the ball rolling, and now he's bought it. We've got Clark Rackful that has come in, along with Tony Stevens, and uh, they're kind of like the three-headed monster of kind of taking advocacy and turning it into partnerships. And so, uh, thank you to all of them and to the staff. And I guess it, we're about ready to take a break here, aren't we? Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh, the oh, coordinator is oh. going to Grab the microphone. Oh, here, here she comes, David. It's yep. Janet. Yep. Somebody yep. mute her. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. Nobody can mute. Me. <laughs> All right. I sent out a couple of messages and I apologize for any confusion. I forwarded a message that was sent to me about a cancellation and I did not check it closely. I just forwarded what was sent to me. And so you have some misinformation, little misinformation this afternoon. T- um, the VPI session on protecting your partner uh, at 4 p.m. this afternoon has been canceled. When I sent out the message, it said 2.30 p.m. And that, of course, is the session uh, that VPI is doing on you want to pick the right therapist. And that is still on this afternoon for 2.30 p.m. It is the 4 p.m. session on protecting your partner that has been canceled. All right. Well, thank so, you. Sorry, sorry if, if you're reading your emails and you're looking at the program and you're saying, wait, that's the wrong time. Yeah, it's 2.30 is still here. Four o'clock is gone. 
Well, see, Janet, you know what that reminded me of that I've really missed the last two years, not, is uh, are all those room changes where, yes, you, uh, know. you know, the so-and-so that was scheduled for room one, two, three is now going to be in mm-hmm. room four, five, six on a different floor in a different building. So, you know, just hurry yourself right on over there. What all of you who don't know who are, you know, <laughs> attending conventions, when uh, Dan's up there on stage doing his thing, all of a sudden... I or have somebody run up there and say, I got to make an announcement. Janet's got to make an announcement. So then I steal a microphone and jump in for those room changes. Yeah, we'll be back at that next year in Omaha. Yep. So, yes, thank goodness. <laughs> All right. I think it's time for us to take a, a few minute break, but we'll be back at one o'clock. Is that right, David? Yeah, we say 105. But come on back in at one. You know the David Truck method when I'm doing this live. Uh, my sessions always end a little bit earlier on time. Let's keep the tradition going, folks, and be back at one o'clock. Thanks, David. Each day, the American Council of the Blind expands opportunity and independence for people who are blind and visually impaired. Support us as we celebrate our 60th anniversary and continue to foster voice, choice, and community. ACB, together for a bright future. And happy birthday, ACB. Wow. Saja shared how ACB advocacy helped her locally to have the same access as everyone else. I love being a part of ACB, and I am so proud to be celebrating its 60th anniversary. The foundation of what we built is only going to be further enhanced. And so... You know, we've we've found a way to engage with a whole new group of people uh, that is growing by the day, and we are frankly we're we're so excited, but we're also very appreciative. So many people from the community have these amazing skills that they have shared with us, and I have learned so much. My name is Robert Frawley, and on behalf of Sight Tech Global, I am so excited to have you join us today. I was able and Charles to. Bring myself down from uh, being insulin dependent to not needing to use insulin any longer. Uh, I was able to lose 75 pounds just because I was paying attention to what I ate and how it affected my blood sugar. Clark, are you pumped up for White Candy? I am. Thanks, everyone, joining us on YouTube Live. Hello, I'm Charles Cooper. And on behalf of Signal Outdoors, we're really excited today to have a conversation with Clark Rockfall, walk, walk through some of the, the technologies that have become available that are now being utilized to, to create sort of a better experience for people when they're in the outdoors. The question about technology and how technology can be used by people who are blind and visually impaired, um, especially in outdoor environments, is a really interesting one, Charles. Um, something that Mike, that's close to Mike and my heart are making sure that students who are graduating from computer science, engineering, design, and related disciplines have fundamental knowledge of both disability and accessibility as, as, they're, as they're learning how to build technology because they're going to graduate. Yeah, and yes, Teach Access. And so we have an ambitious goal, um, me through LinkedIn's affiliation with Teach Access and certainly Facebook's affiliation um, with Teach Access. We have uh, this ambitious goal of meeting uh, 1 million students by 2030 having graduated with some knowledge of accessibility. Fortunately, thanks to companies like Apple, who introduced a year earlier the first accessible iPhone, we knew what could be done. And thanks to groups like the American Council of the Blind, we knew 
our voices calling for equality in a changing media and landscape would be heard. That's what made the day in the White House so special when President Obama signed into law the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act. Welcome to the 2020 convention of the American Council of the Blind. Senator Ed Markey, Senator from Massachusetts. And while I wish we could be together in person for your annual conference and convention, I want to thank the American Council of the Blind and all its partners for your incredible continuing commitment, even through this pandemic, to connecting everyone and bringing opportunities to all. Welcome to uh, YouTube Live today here at the American Council of the Blind, and we're really excited today to celebrate International Day of Persons with Disabilities. My name is Roy Samuelson. I'm a tall male wearing a black t-shirt under a wrinkled denim jacket. I smile a lot and get animated when I get passionate. First of all, thank you for inviting us audio description narrators into your TVs, your theaters, and your smartphones. Hi, I'm Matthew Cock, Chief Executive of Vocalize from the UK. We're so incredibly grateful and proud to have been given this award. The award comes at a time when theatres, museums and heritage sites across the UK face an uncertain future. And we're all concerned with ensuring access and inclusion are not sacrificed in the new normal. The award's already been a great morale booster to help us at this time. Thank you, Janet. Thank you to your committee. And thanks to all those other countless volunteers, our ACB radio team, our ACB staff, and the hundreds and hundreds of volunteers who have made this convention uh, a reality. Each day, the American Council of the Blind expands opportunity and independence for people who are blind and visually impaired. Support us as we celebrate our 60th anniversary and continue to foster voice, choice, and community. ACB, together for a bright future. And happy birthday, ACB. Wow. Saja shared how ACB advocacy helped her locally to have the same access as everyone else. I love being a part of ACB, and I am so proud to be celebrating its 60th anniversary. The foundation of what we built is only going to be further enhanced. And so... You know, we've we've found a way to engage with a whole new group of people uh, that is growing by the day, and we are frankly we're we're so excited, but we're also very appreciative. So many people from the community have these amazing skills that they have shared with us, and I have learned so much. My name is Robert Frawley, and on behalf of Sight Tech Global, I am so excited to have you join us today. I was able and Charles to bring myself down from uh, being insulin dependent to not needing to use insulin any longer. Uh, I was able to lose 75 pounds just because I was paying attention to what I ate and how it affected my blood sugar. Clark, are you pumped up for White Candy? I am. Thanks everyone joining us on YouTube Live. Hello, I'm Charles Cooper. And on behalf of Signal Outdoors, we're really excited today to have a conversation with Clark Rockfall, walk, walk through some of the, the technologies that have become available that are now being utilized to, to create sort of a better experience for people when they're in the outdoors. The question about technology and how technology can be used by people who are blind and visually impaired, um, especially in outdoor environments, is a really interesting one, Charles. Um, something that Mike, that's close to Mike and my hearts are making sure that students who are graduating from computer science, engineering, design, and related disciplines have fundamental knowledge 
of both disability and accessibility as, as they're as they're learning how to build technology because they're going to graduate. Yeah, and yes, Teach Access. And so we have an ambitious goal, um, me through LinkedIn's affiliation with Teach Access and certainly Facebook's affiliation um, with Teach Access. We have uh, this ambitious goal of meeting uh, 1 million students by 2030 having graduated with some knowledge of accessibility. Fortunately, thanks to companies like Apple, who introduced a year earlier the first accessible iPhone, we knew what could be done. And thanks to groups like the American Council of the Blind, we knew our voices calling for equality in a changing media and landscape would be heard. That's what made the day in the White House so special when President Obama signed into law the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act. Welcome to the 2020 convention of the American Council of the Blind. Senator Ed Markey, Senator from Massachusetts. And while I wish we could be together in person for your annual conference and convention, I wanna thank the American Council of the Blind and all its partners for your incredible continuing commitment even through this pandemic, to connecting everyone and bringing opportunities to all. Welcome to uh, YouTube Live today here at the American Council of the Blind. And we're really excited today to celebrate International Day of Persons with Disabilities. My name is Roy Samuelson. I'm a tall male wearing a black t-shirt under a wrinkled denim jacket. I smile a lot and get animated when I get passionate. First of all, thank you for inviting us audio description narrators into your TVs, your theaters, and your smartphones. Hi, I'm Matthew Cott, Chief Executive of Vocalize from the UK. We're so incredibly grateful and proud to have been given this award. The award comes at a time when theatres, museums and heritage sites across the UK face an uncertain future. And we're all concerned with ensuring access and inclusion are not sacrificed in the new normal. The award's already been a great morale booster to help us at this time. Thank you, Janet. Thank you to your committee. And thanks to all those other countless volunteers, our ACB radio team, our ACB staff, and the hundreds and hundreds of volunteers who have made this convention uh, a reality. Welcome back, everybody. It's great to have uh, the break over with now and get to the good business at hand because uh, the next part, you know, I'm, I'm a money man, and uh, I like to bring in the money. and like to see it when we bring in the money as a group. But one of my favorite things that we do with some of the money that we raise and from our partners who let us manage their scholarships, such as the American Foundation for the Blind. Uh, it's always good to see these young people, the scholarship recipients, and know that we can help with them improve their lives and achieve their goals. But before we, before I introduce them, I'm going to give you the opening code for your continuing education. It's 34915. Again, that's 319. I'm sorry. 34915. I'll do it one more time. 34915. At this time, every year they give me a name I can't pronounce. So this year is no exception. Um, but to continue with our scholarship presentations is Ms. Sharon Strzelkowski. Hello, my name is Sharon Strzelkowski. I'm from Massachusetts, and I'm a very active and proud member of Bay State Council of the Blind. I'm also involved with Library Users of America and Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. But today I'm here to speak with you as a committee chair of the scholarship committee, which I really enjoy participating in. 
I first want to acknowledge my fellow committee members, Linda Perel and Amanda Lannon. And we are part of the Specialized Studies Subcommittee. Uh, this particular group has a collection of scholarships. A couple of them are for residents of New uh, of um, Pennsylvania and um, Oregon. And then we have a specialized study scholarship for people who are music majors. We have another one for people who have very limited vision and who have a, had a lot of barriers to success in high school and college. We have another one, the Hebner, for people who are working full-time and in school part-time. And generally, that scholarship often goes to people who are a little older and who have been professionally working for some time. Our first scholarship is a Qualls scholarship. And these are these scholarships are awarded to one student from each subcommittee. And our student is John better known as Tom Jurassic. Our next scholarship is the Corey Scholarship for a resident of Pennsylvania, and that goes to Addison, better known as Addie Lemon. Our next scholarship is the Hebner, which is given to someone who is working full-time and a student being a student part-time, and that goes to our student Abigail Shaw. Our next scholarship is the Schechter Buckley which is a combination of scholarships given to a student who has very little vision and many other barriers to being a student and performing in college and high school. And this will go to Brianne Kisselstein. Then we have our next scholarship is for an Oregon resident, and this goes to Cassie Trosper. Our final scholarship goes to a student in the musical studies, and this is the Gillette Scholarship, which goes to Megan Downing. Um, hello, all. Hello, everyone at the convention. My name is Tom Jirasi. My pronouns are he, him, his. Um, I live in West Roxbury, Massachusetts, and I'm attending Merrimack College in the fall with a major in communications and mass media studies. Um, I've always considered myself to be a voracious consumer of media in many of its forms, radio, TV, journalism, social media. Um, I've had a lot of great opportunities for high school to build on my skills in media, you know, working as the social media coordinator for a local startup in the Merrimack Valley, um, doing the newspaper club, being an editor for that, and really getting my hands wet in the field of disability advocacy at the local level. And I feel like being a communications major would enable me to kind of further my skills and just make my pinpoint my career direction and all that and just helped me to form a fulfilling, successful life as an adult. I mean, I've had a lot of great accomplishments. I've been blessed with a really supportive family and a really good support system that's really guided me along the way. But I'd say my biggest accomplishment to date is as a freshman in high school, so 2017, I was selected by my by a hospital that I go to regularly by their leadership team um, to get on to Washington, D.C. to speak with members of the Senate and Congress about healthcare funding, about Medicaid, back when they were going to cut Medicaid funding. Um, I was telling them about, you know, how Medicaid's helped me and my experience in the healthcare system and why Medicaid's such a beneficial thing to so many disabled Americans. Um, and being able to just be surrounded by 
people who are really big names in Congress, like, you know, Elizabeth Warren, Michael Capuano, Joseph Kennedy, uh, other local Massachusetts Congress representatives, like that was crazy. And, you know, that experience kind of shaped me to become more involved with disability rights before then, like, I never really consider being involved with disability rights. Then at a random, like the hospital selects me to be going down to DC in a major like disability rights event. And now through high school, like I really got involved with disability rights in my town, um, in my school, all that stuff. So I feel like that experience kind of shaped me and who I am today. Hi, I'm Addie Lemon. I'm from Latrobe, Pennsylvania. And I'm going to be attending Robert Morris University for Early Childhood and Special Education. I want to give a big thank you to the ACB Scholarship Committee for giving me this opportunity to pursue my education. I shared this field of study because I struggled as a regular education student with a visual impairment because a lot of teachers didn't know how to accommodate or advocate for me properly. So I want to take that into my own classroom and teach students and other teachers how to accommodate for themselves or advocate for themselves. My biggest accomplishment would probably be being able to graduate high school in only three years, despite people telling me I wasn't going to be able to graduate. Hi, I'm Abigail Shaw from Brooklyn, New York, and I'm very grateful and excited to be receiving one of the ACB National Scholarships this year. I am attending Fordham University's Graduate School of Social Service, and I'm entering my last semester for my master's in social work. I chose this field after working for a couple of years, coordinating a mentoring program for students who are blind or low vision. And although my background, my undergraduate background is in music and audio, um, I've found working with students really rewarding and realized that there were a number of other systemic obstacles preventing students who are blind or low vision from succeeding in college, such as homelessness, being an English language learner, immigrant status. And so those experiences compelled me to go back to school to get my master's in social work. And eventually I'd like to be able to influence national policy um, or perhaps even human rights kinds of work and uh, how people with disabilities are treated and um, the services we receive. My greatest accomplishment to date is more of, um, I think, embracing and celebrating my journey. I never thought back in 2014 when I graduated from undergrad that I would be where I am now pursuing master's in social work. Um, and I think embracing the journey that life has, um, the journey that I've taken in life and just going from majoring in music um, to this, to this other field and all the various things I've uh, learned along the way. So embracing the journey and being able to cultivate endurance um, are probably my two greatest accomplishments and things I'm most proud of. Hi, I'm Brianna Kisselstein. I'm a recent scholarship winner and I'm a PhD candidate at Cornell University in the field of plant pathology. And I study a plant disease called grapevine powdery mildew. I chose this field because while I loved studying human diseases during undergrad, protecting the global food supply felt like a much more fundamental need. And my greatest accomplishment is 
probably all of the social justice and advocacy work I've done here at Cornell and beyond. Um, and that's focused primarily on BIPOC students, queer and trans students, and students with disabilities. And I'm very proud of that work. Hi, my name is Cassie Trotsberg, and I am from North Bend, Oregon. I would like to thank a couple of my professors and teachers who gave me recommendations to help me achieve this scholarship through the American Council of the Blind. I am currently secretary for our local chapter here in Oregon, the Southwestern chapter. So I'd also like to thank my president, Karen Muth, for giving me the idea to apply for this scholarship. So I'm going into my second year at Southwestern Oregon Community College, and I'm going to be majoring in psychology. I am finishing up my Oregon Transfer Associate's degree at Southwestern, and I will be moving on to Eastern Oregon University next fall to start my bachelor's degree in psychology. So I chose psychology as my major because I am an Army veteran, and I would really like to be able to give back to my fellow soldiers, comrades, and community, which I would like to be able to work in the Veterans Administration as a psychologist, just to be able to help some of our soldiers that are going through some things because we can never have enough people to listen to our soldiers and veterans. And I think my greatest achievement to date right now, I am the only member of my family who has a visual disability. I am legally blind. So I think my greatest achievement right now is just being able to prove to all of my friends and family that no matter what your disability may be, that you can do what you set your mind to. I actually have three kids who are all fully sighted with no limitations visually or any signs of them ever having any vision issues. So I would really like to keep on showing them that they can do whatever they put their mind to. Hi, my name is Megan Downing, and I'm from Santa Barbara, California, and I'm going into my sophomore year at the Berkeley College of Music in Boston, Massachusetts, with a double major in music therapy and music performance. Um, I really decided that Music therapy was something that I wanted to do because I've personally been impacted by music therapy and I've seen how music can be really healing and powerful to those of those people that are struggling and may need help. Um, so I'm really excited to start my classes with that and just make an impact and use the power of music to help others. Um, and then with music performance, it kind of goes hand in hand and performing is something that I've always been wanting to do. And I think that that would help me with my patients and with my clients with music therapy and being able to like really um, hone in my skills of performance and like communicating through music. So um, yeah, again, super excited to be there in Boston. Um, just finished my first year there and it was the best experience ever. And I'm looking forward to more. Um, my greatest accomplishment I'd say is just being able to finish my first year of school and um, online school is something that I think everyone's kind of had to like, it was a learning curve for all of us, but um, being able to like successfully do that and, and be in Boston for the last six months and be really independent. And I, I'd say like my independence is probably the biggest thing that I've been able to develop this past year. And that's like my, my biggest accomplishment is just moving across the country from home and being by myself and doing well in school and just really being independent in a new city. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to do that without ACB. So I really want to thank you for the scholarship and um, again, ACB is a great family to be a part of, and the students are just super inspiring to be around. So thank you, ACB, and I'm glad to be here. Hi, everyone. It's Valerie Stannard on the Social Work Rehabilitation and Teaching Committee. 
I love doing the scholarships. I've been doing it for about 25 years now. And seeing the students that come through here is just one of the most fun things I do throughout each year. Right now, I'm happy and excited to introduce to you Jordana Hosman. She has so many accomplishments. They're hard for me to list at this time in the little amount of time we do have. But among them, she does play golf. She um, has done a lot of interfaith youth work. And in addition to that, just on the top, she is a tremendous writer. And I read every word of every application. And this, this girl can really write. I'm really excited for her to introduce herself to you right now. So, um, Jordana, go ahead. Hi, everyone. My name is Jordana Hosman, and I'm from the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois. Um, and next fall, I'll be attending the University of Chicago, where I'll be studying public policy and economics. And I, I chose these fields of study because I've always had a pretty big interest in politics, and I really like trying to find solutions to difficult problems. And public policy will allow me to learn more about how to create effective policy to help society and to learn from the failures and pitfalls of current policy. Um, and I, I think for me, the intersection of, of policy and economics kind of gives me the opportunity to learn how to create economic policy that will benefit communities that are often overlooked by lots of American politicians. So I'm really excited to use this course of study to promote positive change across the country. One of my greatest accomplishments has been um, founding and organizing Chicago's first conference for high school girls who are interested in um, careers in business and STEM. So in the fall of 2019, I decided that I really wanted to create an uplifting and empowering space for high school girls because as a young woman who is uh, pretty passionate about business and computer science, I saw the really uh, lack of representation of women in these fields. And so um, I organized this event and it was originally scheduled to be in person in May of 2020, but obviously COVID really caused things to kind of flip upside down. And my team and I had to completely change our plans and hold the conference in a fully virtual format, um, really for the first time. And so with lots of hard work and dedication, the conference ran successfully online, bringing together almost 200 students from across the country um, to hear from speakers in lots of areas, including entrepreneurship, engineering, computer science, and financial technology, um, as well as other sessions on uh, important career um, and professional development topics like resume writing and interview skills. And for me, one of the most rewarding parts of uh, this whole experience, besides actually, you know, holding the conference and organizing it, was receiving dozens of emails after the conference from attendees saying how this was the first time that they had seen someone who looked like them pursuing a career that they're interested in. And it really left them feeling empowered to go pursue their goals. And that was really um, the cherry on top for me. And I really just wanted to say a big thank you to the scholarship committee um, for all your, your hard work and, and the donors who've supported this generous uh, scholarship to support my goals. Good afternoon. My name is Sheila Young, and I am a member of the ACB Scholarship Committee for Social Work, Rehabilitation, and Teaching. And it is my honor to introduce one of our recipients for our scholarship this year, Kaylee Brendahl. So welcome, Kaylee. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor to be here today. Thank you to the Scholarship Committee and the American Council of the Blind as a whole. I plan to attend Villanova University in the fall. and. 
I will be majoring in English with a pre-law track. I intend to head to law school after I complete my bachelor's. I actually have always had a passion for public speaking and articulating my position. I was the captain of my high school's competitive mock trial team for the past three years. So I found myself in head or as head counsel in the courtroom quite a few times. And that was where I first discovered that I loved, you know, defending a given position and ensuring that a client received representation that the Constitution grants them. Then last May, I, along with all other blind and deafblind AP test takers were discriminated by the college board when this organization refused to provide us with Braille. So that legal fight I entered into in which I filed class complaints with the United States Departments of Education and Justice, that really showed me that disability rights law was the niche that I wanted to pursue out of that much broader career field because I recognized the lack of support in place that individuals like myself had access to in the courtroom. And I wanted to work to change that. What I feel is my greatest accomplishment is founding the Sing for Serenity Choir. We are an international online choir composed of blind and visually impaired vocalists. There are more than 120 members now hailing from 15 different countries. And I founded this choir when I was 14 years old. And I think that that is my most significant accomplishment because especially in the pandemic, music has served to be that binding force that fuels positivity and keeps us all motivated, strong, and just going together and at peace. And if I'm able to make music and make a you know social environment where other blind and visually impaired youth and adults can feel comfortable and can feel really at home and connected to others, that understand their unique struggles, then I think that's something worth celebrating. And now I would like to congratulate and introduce our next scholarship recipient, Saeed Rizvi. Hello, my name is Saeed Rizvi, and I am from Western Massachusetts. This fall, I'll be starting at Harvard Law School, where I will be a Juris Doctorate candidate. I chose to pursue a JD because I believe that it would pair me with the tools that are so necessary to change the systems that are around us that discriminate against blind people and other disenfranchised groups from truly achieving their American dreams. My proudest accomplishment up until today is that last year I founded the American Muslim Bar Association. I thought that As Muslim Americans, we needed representation in the United States, just like blind Americans. And I started a small group chat and it blew up into a over 100 person uh, organization. And we're working with President Biden on judicial appointments. Uh, We're working on domestic and international policy, mentorship, you name it. I'm so honored by the American Council for the Blind recognizing me as a national scholarship winner and supporting me in my academic endeavors. You're back. 
Wow, David, what an amazing group of scholarship winners. I'm always taken back not only about how smart and energetic these students are, but how much they really have to get out there and still in this day and time advocate for themselves, advocate to make sure their materials are in accessible format, that their their program software is accessible for them. So I just want to say a big hip hip array to our ACB uh, 2021 scholarship winners. Just a fantastic group of folks. They are, Dan. And, and the other thing that uh, we really need to look at that's really great was their accomplishments so far. I mean, th- these people in a lot of cases haven't even started their professional careers. But look at what they're doing, uh, forming other organizations, and that type of thing. It's, it's always good to see the excitement of our scholarship recipients every year. I want to give a special thanks to Rebecca Bridges and the uh, scholarship committee for the hard work that they do. But it's also, if they look at it the way I do, and I'm sure they do from what we see here, it's such an exciting time. If you've never participated before in a scholarship, start out at your local or state level. There is, uh, Dan and I was talking the other day about the amount of money we wondered that was coming from the local and state affiliates into the scholarships. And then with ACB and AFB, we give in excess of $90,000 a year, and we're hoping that will grow. So it's just a great time for these people, and it's a great time for us in ACB, because I don't know about you, but it's certainly a great motivator for me. For all of you that stuck around, your ending code is 23652. Again, that's 23652. Sorry, Dan, go ahead. No, I just say I completely agree with you, David. And I also like to give a shout out to uh, Nancy Marks Becker and Nancy Christine Fila, who do just such a wonderful job behind the scenes, helping uh, bring in the applications, process them, uh, get them, you know, into the uh, system so they can be handed out to our scholarship committee for evaluation, help collect the results. And just, uh, you know, we don't, we don't see and hear a lot of them, but boy, they do an amazing job with the scholarship committee to make this all happen. Also, uh, I want to thank the uh, scholarship committee for allowing us at CCLBI to be a part of it and present our scholarships, uh, during your part of the program because it gives our people a chance to get out there and and meet with you when we're normally together. And uh, it's it's just a good opportunity for them, and y'all make it possible. So thank you on behalf of CCLBI. Okay, now, you know me, we're back with the money. (laughs) That's what it's all about. Uh, No, it's really not. But but it, it does take money to do what we do. And we've got a great group of people you're fixing to hear from that play a significant role in the uh, way that that process is handled. So I'm not going to introduce all of them. What I'm going to do at this time is introduce the co-chair of the Resource and Development Committee from Hermitage, Tennessee, Mr. Dan Dillon. We got Dan? Dan, are you muted? He doesn't appear to be in the room, guys. All right. Audio now unmuted. I'll, I'll reach out and find him if 
Okay, thank you. All right, we'll we'll continue to go on. So, uh, Dan Dan Dillon uh, is the chair of the Resource Development Committee, and his team has worked so hard to pull things together this year. Uh, you know, the whole litany of different events and programs that ACB pulls together uh, to help with our members do fundraising is just absolutely amazing. So, we talked a little bit earlier about the wonderful ACB Mini Mall. In addition to that, there's the Angel Tribute Program, which we've been hearing about all week. And we, of course, uh, have the MMS program chaired by Jean Mann and her team that we've talked about throughout the sessions uh, this week, as well as the Braille Form Raffle Drawing. I know, David, you have uh, a, a thing or two to say about the Braille Form Raffle Drawing. Actually, I do. And, and uh, again, I want to thank Alan Peterson, my cohort. Um, he's always a major part of this. Uh, he uh, sells somewhere around 100 tickets a year. I give him these great goals every year, you know, and he, he really does try to meet it. Because if he sells 100, I want two. If he sells two, I want three, you know. <laughs> but Alan is a good sport and a, and a real supporter of this program. And, um, you know, Tony, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention, too, uh, Tony Stevens right now. Because Tony is uh, – our staff person, the development director, and uh, Tony does an outstanding job not only of uh, keeping an eye and making sure we're on track with these programs and meeting our rocks, but uh, also the other financial structure of ACB that he looks at and grants, uh, Jolene Bailey. You know, we, we've got a lot of people, Nancy and her staff also bring, you know, uh, collecting and uh, putting the money in his proper places. So we got a lot of people that makes this thing happen. It takes a village. We sure do, David. And, you know, I think the next person we ought to hear from, we had a a little thing called an auction there Tuesday night, and it was like a crazy frenzy. I don't know about you. What did you think about that auction? Oh, man, it was great. You know, I like that appetizer, too. Uh, I felt so good. Leslie called me right after the appetizer auction was over, and uh, we had a good conversation about how good it done. But what was really important to me at, the, at, at that call time was her enthusiasm. Uh, we are truly blessed. And I know uh, you would sound like you was fanning the home fires, but I can <laughs> fan them. She certainly is. Uh, you know, you, you get that round peg in the round hole, and I, I promise you that you couldn't find anybody better to do this than Leslie Spoon. So let's hear from Leslie Spoon from Orlando, Florida, chair of the Hi. ACB auction. Hello, can you hear me? We can. We can. Wonderful, yay. <laughs> I feel like that's the sentence of the year. Can you hear me? So thank you, David, and thank you, Dan, for having me on. Um, yes, the auction was so much fun. It was it was Tuesday night, which kind of seems like a long time ago now. Um, but I have to thank my auction committee first. I, I can't do this alone, like David just said. It takes a village. Um, and my auction committee consists of Beth Corley, Brian Charlson, Cindy Hollis, Debbie Young, Jeff Tom, Carrie Bishop, Marsha Farrell, Michael Garrett, Rachel Schroeder, Terry Lenagashi, and Zelda Gebhardt. And our officer liaison is David Trott, which helps us out immensely. And our staff liaison, which is helping me out with the L10s now and getting me used to the formats with our meetings, is Nancy Marks Becker. 
Um, I'd also be remiss to not mention this because we did pictures this year for the first time. And Christine Chaikin from Hawaii and Rick Morin from ACB Media and Kelly Gass from the, the ACB office helped me so much this year um, and putting it up on the ACB website. So I just commend them, and thank them so, so much. Again, it does take a village. Um, we'd also like to thank the vendors. The auction committee would like to thank the vendors and the affiliates and the ACB community because without you guys, we would not have these auctions. The appetizer auction was so much fun on Wednesday and Thursday before the convention started on July 14th and 15th. And it was so exciting. I did call David after and everybody was emailing me and calling me. And I, I was just in so much awe of everybody and humbled and cried and jumped up and down. I think I might have done 20 push-ups at one time. I'm not sure, but it was just so exciting. Um, and it's so cool because some of these people can't get in on Tuesday night. They're busy doing other things like we always have, you know, at convention time. So the appetizer auction was sought up by the committee when we went virtual with COVID our very first time last year. And it's just done gangbusters, guys. I tell you, it's so much fun. It's a way to whet your appetite. That's why they're called appetizers. So it's, it's cool. So we do two days of those with 17 items. And these are items that have come in throughout the year. So we split up some of the auction items. This year, we had over 125 items. I will say that again, 125 items. And it was amazing. I also would be remiss not to mention Dan Spoon for helping me in behind the scenes because it does take a village and he has helped out a lot. So I really appreciate him helping me also. The other thing is don't forget about it's coming up. I'm going to give you the amounts. I'm going to save that for the last. That, that's See, I'm, I'm saving you in. I'm keeping you here. <laughs> so the next thing I want to talk about is we will be having a thing called the holiday auction. We'll have our sneak a peek appetizer auction again. So, you know, you're saying, oh, my gosh, Leslie, if the convention's not over yet and we're talking about the holidays. But don't forget, you can get those baked good stuff going that everybody loves food. So. That'll be in November, the end of November. We'll have the sneak a peek appetizer auction and we'll have the holiday auction. We're going to have to rename it though this year. And I, I think it'll have to be holiday auction media something because <laughs> the proceeds go for ACB radio. So I don't think we can say ACB radio holiday auction anymore. What do you think, David? Oh, I think it'll be easy. We'll just call it ACB media holiday auction. Oh, I like it. I like it. There you go. So, you guys ready? I am so, so humbled and so excited. And in the Spoon family, we always say what, David? Hip, hip. Hip, hooray. Hip, hip. Hooray. Hip, hip. Hooray. Here, is, here are our figures, guys. And we get a drum roll. We raise with both auctions. I am so excited. Over $42,000. I cannot say thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And if you missed the figure... Over $42,000. That is amazing, guys. I love this community. I'm so humbled. I, I have tears in my eyes right now. I can't tell you how much this auction means to me. Brenda Dillon started it 15 years ago. This auction is 15 years old now. This was our 15th auction. I've been involved since 2010. Cindy Hollis and... And she started it also with Jeff Tom. So it just humbles me. It excites me. 
I can't say enough about the auctions. If you guys are interested in donating, reach out to me for the holiday. Please, please be patient with us. Again, we had over 125 items. The Minnesota office is working diligently for the next couple of days to get everybody charged. I will be sending out your items. The donors that bake the goods will be sending out your items. So please be patient. Please call me if you have any questions or concerns. Please try not to bombard the Minnesota office and call me, please. And again, guys, thank you, thank you, thank you. We cannot make this auction happen alone, right, David? It takes the village. No, it does. It really takes the village. I'm so honored and so privileged to be the auction chair. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I look forward to the holiday auction. And what she didn't tell you was, this is another record year. Uh, You know, the pandemic's been on us. The pandemic has not hurt the auction at all. We've had two record years. And congratulations, Leslie. You've done a great job uh, with, with, you know, difficult circumstances. So we're, we're excited. We're excited to see how you handle next year. And we look for, oh, 50,000 maybe. Ooh. Oh, boy. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, and, David. And thanks to some wonderful donations, right? There will be no charge for shipping this right, year. Right, yes. That's yes. Right. No charge for shipping. I forgot to say that. Yeah, no charge for shipping. So that's exciting. It, it was donated. So thank thanks you. to the Bay State Council and Terry Pacheco. Yeah. And that just, you know, goes on and shows about our membership and the uh, de- not only the dedication they have with their volunteer work, but with their money as well, you know, spending the money on the auction. Uh, I know Terry was involved in bidding in the auction and buying in the auction, and now she's helping to pay for the shipping. So it's a lot of people like that, that that's in the organization that make these things happen. <clears throat> you know, you see us up here, but without you, they don't, we wouldn't be here. Fantastic. Hello? Hello, Dan Dillon. Uh, welcome aboard. Uh, yeah, the old we, man finally has arrived, guys. With uh, we had a little glitch there, but uh, uh, Leslie, you did a great job with the auction, and uh, and I want to thank everyone who's participated in our fundraisers. Uh, my name is Dan Dillon. I do co-chair the Resource Development Committee, which, as most of you know, oversees the the fundraising within ACB, and uh, it's the Resource Development Committee, and. Uh, I just ditto everything that's been said so far that I've been able to hear anyway. Um, I believe now we have Donna Brown to talk about the walk. Is that correct? That's correct. Donna? I am here. Good for you. You did better than I did. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I don't know. Leslie's a tough act to follow today. That is just wonderful news. So I am here to talk about that thing called the ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. And that is a fundraising event that we have every year. Not only does it raise money for ACB, but affiliates and committees can create teams and up to 50% of the monies they raise can go back to that affiliate or committee. And I'll tell you, as a treasurer of a special interest affiliate, it's awful nice when that walk check comes into the treasury. So uh, affiliate teams that right now we have 30 teams uh, right now. If somebody would just please go to the website and donate $50, we'd be over 81,000. Uh, but uh, you could put it in the West Virginia 
on the West Virginia team, but you could donate to the general event as well. Uh, so our goal is to reach uh, 95,000, and I think we can do it. The walk is one of those, it, it actually goes on after convention. We will accept donations through August 31st, and then the Minnesota office will tally everything and probably in mid-September be able to get the checks to the affiliates and, and uh, committees. So also there is a challenge. We had given some prizes away the other night at, at the walk event, and we want to congratulate those teams, the Patriots, they're kind of way out in front. Uh, I don't know. New England had us a habit of doing that in football. But I wonder if if another team can just sort of gain some ground on them. Uh, we also gave a prize for uh, to Florida. They were second. Tennessee was third. Our new team, Michigan Apple Blossoms, was fourth. Another new team, Next Generation All-Stars, was fifth. And our Minnesota, those pesky mosquitoes, came in at sixth place. So those teams will receive uh, many mall gift cards. But the challenge now is there will be a prize awarded to the team who brings in the most money uh, between what was Sunday night and the uh, August 31st, the close of the walk. And right now, there's kind of sort of California and West Virginia are neck and neck with that. Uh, so, you know, California, you might be have more people and be a bigger state, but I don't know. West Virginia could overtake you. However, I feel sure there's some other teams that will challenge us for that title. So keep seeking donations. And also at the mini mall, they have towels that go along with the walk with get moving together. So go to the mini mall and purchase your towel. I purchased mine. Uh, so anyway, let's get moving together is our walk theme. And before I go, I've got to thank our wonderful walk sponsors and they are Vanda Pharmaceuticals. They, they really support the walk every year. Sometimes they're there in person. Hopefully they'll be able to join us in Omaha next year. And then we have macular degeneration. They've often been uh, present at the walk in person. And then we also have a, a sponsorship from National Industries for the Blind, and we thank those sponsors. I want to quickly thank my committee, and I hope I don't forget anybody. I'm going to try real hard. My co-chair is Leslie Spoon. On the committee are the two Dans. They're just everywhere when it comes to money, Dan Dillon, Dan Spoon. Uh, Katie Frederick is also on our committee. Robert Spangler is on our committee from Iowa. Linda Allison from Tennessee. Uh, she stepped up and is is uh, donating some Starbucks gift cards to our new teams. I'll mention those here in a second. Uh, Melvin Smith from Missouri. He is very instrumental when we're in person in getting our giveaway item. So hopefully we'll see Melvin with his giveaway item next year in, in Omaha. Our uh, officer liaison is David Trott, and our staff liaison is Tony Stevens. And I want to recognize those new teams who at some time will be getting uh, Starbucks gift cards, and that's the Michigan Apple Blossoms, the Next Generation All-Stars, the, um, oh dear, RSVA at your service. That's the Randolph Shepard vendors. They had a team this year, and I have a feeling 
that we're going to hear from them before August 31st with donations. I, I just have that feeling. And then we also have a, a, the guide dogs of Missouri. And so in closing, I want to tell you, if you have not made a donation to the walk, we would appreciate you doing that. And the best way to do that online, if you want to do it, is go to acb.org. And toward the bottom of the page, there's a 2021 ACB walk link. If you don't feel comfortable doing it online, you can always call the Minnesota office at three, excuse me, 612-332-3242. And I want to thank everyone for their participation in the walk so far. And let's keep moving together for ACB. Thank you, Donna. And and uh, the the walk committee keeps rolling, and and with your help, we keep moving forward. This is this this year we had more teams than we've ever had. Seven six three three and, and, seven uh, nine four seven. And I just wanted to mention. I imagine Mr. Trot has already mentioned this, but time is running out for the Braille Forum ACB uh, drawing. Uh, and uh, and uh, Donna just mentioned that number to Minneapolis, and you can call Minneapolis and uh, buy a Braille Forum raffle ticket. There aren't that many left, but we'd love to sell them all. And that number is area code 612-332-3242. So let's try and sell all these tickets, folks. And uh, Thank you, Mr. President. Oh, thank, thank you, Dan. Dan. Thank you, Dave. Go, uh, go ahead, Dave. No, no, thank you. Go ahead, Dave. Um, you know, this this is a great group of people, this RDC, that work together every year. Uh, they put a lot of time in. And uh, it, it's just, we, we've uh, always had good chairs of the Resource and Development Committee. It seems like that uh, the people that get on board are just enthusiastic and uh, goal setters. You know, uh, we're always talking about what's the goal for the walk or what's the goal for the raffle. Uh, so it's it's just so much fun to be there. It's not uh, like you're having to get out and beg. And that's thanks again to the membership. Y'all make it too easy for us sometimes and keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to tell you is that uh, Donna told you you have to the end of August now to participate in that walk. Help us reach that goal. We're not far from it. Uh, we're over 80 percent. And uh, if we sell out the Braille Forum raffle tickets tonight, that'll be good. Um, again, the winner today of the MMS drawing was, uh, Jeff and Leslie Tom. And, uh, I'm looking at my notes here to make sure I don't miss anything, Dan, and I'll be through with announcements. Uh, M- MMS to join MMS and qualify again tomorrow for our drawing for the $120 gift card. Also, everyone that's up or come in new to MMS is in the line for the drawing for the $500 Visa gift card and the Sonos Rome speaker, which will be second place. So tomorrow is not just the end of the MMS drawing. It's, uh, you know, we're going to move ahead and you get a chance to win these things. And then we'll start out uh, with our next year's program. But remember, it's 421 for 21 to take part in that. Go to send an email to askacbmms at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-A-C-B-M-M-S at gmail.com. That phone number, if you don't want to use email, is 
202-743-0755. Again, that's 202-743-0755. And don't forget the Braille form raffle. You can call the national office at 612-332-3242. That's the Minnesota office. And then that's all I have except to tell you that the convention's been great so far. And uh, all the staff and everybody has done such a wonderful job, especially our ACB media team and the volunteers that work with them. Uh, We are truly grateful for all you do. Well, thank you, David. And thank you for being our presenter today. Uh, I wanted to make some announcements. We still have Janet to come back with our door prizes, but I, but I wanted I'm to here whenever some, you want me. Oh, thank you, Janet. I still wanted to make some special announcements about a, a, a really what, what they call a special, special order uh, motion tomorrow. And we have talked a lot this week about how exciting it's been and uh, how really, really historic and proud for all of us that the American Council of the Blind has been able to conduct 13 candidate elections remotely and independently uh, with uh, the, the just really demonstrating our values of democracy and inclusion. And so uh, tomorrow is a, please look at your information sheet that was sent out uh, last night. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to contact uh, Pat Sheehan or Jeff Tom or Connie Sims from our voting task force. But the motion tomorrow will basically, uh, it'll be a full vote of, uh, just like we've exercised for our candidates uh, throughout the week. Uh, So in the morning, we will have time at general session in the webinar, Zoom webinar platform for our participants. Uh, First, we will read the motion. Uh, Then we will allow for debate through our normal parliamentary parliamentary procedures. So we'll allow 20 minutes of discussion for and against the motion in two-minute segments. We will recognize hands from the floor to discuss and debate the motion. And then once the debate is over, we will call the question. Uh, There will be a ballot uh, that will be uh, in vote now, and everyone will independently and individually get to vote for the motion. You'll either vote for the motion or against the motion. Uh, We will then, uh, once we kick off the voting, which will last about two hours, we'll we'll announce the beginning time of the vote and the ending time. So while our individuals have a chance to do the vote through vote now, which I think, I don't know about your thoughts, David, but I have found it just amazingly easy and simple to vote. It's really been a, a pleasure. I've been very impressed by vote now. Uh, It's not only impressive, it's exciting and empowering. It empowers our membership in a way that they've never been empowered before. If you didn't show up for a convention, you didn't get to vote. Uh, This is where we're truly now a true democracy organization, and I think we ought to be proud of what we've accomplished. I I completely agree. And so while we're having the individual vote, we'll then do a couple of presentations and that will allow us time for our delegates to get to the uh, affiliate delegate uh, room for the roll call vote. Again, it will be conducted by Denise Colley, our ACB secretary, and monitored by Nancy Marks-Becker, our supervisor of elections, along with our parliamentarian. 
And so we'll have the roll call vote. Uh, then we'll come back and we'll do a couple of more presentations. And then uh, at the appropriate time, uh, once we've had the polls open for two hours, depending on how long the debate lasts, we'll come back with the uh, results of the election uh, from our, uh, you know, election supervisor, Nancy Marks Becker. So it, this is a motion that requires a two-thirds vote of our membership to pass. If the motion passes, what we are doing is authorizing this convention to just uh, be adjourned temporarily until August 14th, at which point we would come back together on the night of August 14th at 8 o'clock Eastern and hear the amendments to the Constitution and bylaws to allow us to have remote uh, electronic voting. Uh, once those amendments have been read, then the following day on Sunday at four o'clock, we will read the amendments again. We will have debate. And then at the time in the end of the debate, we will have a vote on those amendments. So uh, again, uh, the, the goal of this is to keep the focus narrow to kind of basically allow us to do what we were able to do this year. Uh, we will uh, ask the Constitution and Bylaws Committee, if this passes, to convene very quick, quickly. Uh, they've already done some initial work at drafting amendments, but our goal would be uh, that by hopefully um, next uh, Thursday, they could have uh, an initial uh, meeting to kind of kind of like the resolutions meetings that we're having every Wednesday. We would like to have a constitution and bylaws uh, meeting to discuss the draft amendments, get feedback from our membership. Uh, maybe we'll hold another uh, committee meeting, uh, then it can, uh, excuse me, community event the next week, and then be able to finalize those amendments for presentation uh, by August 14th. So the idea is to be transparent on this, to be open, to receive feedback, and to act on the will of this membership, which I believe is to come in alliance with the DC code and allow all members the opportunity to vote. So thank you for that, David. I appreciate it. And I'll let you and uh, Janet kind of take us out with some door prizes and final comments. Okay. I've got right. uh, Oh, One more ahead. thing. I'm, I'm going to interrupt her. I'm not going to let her talk that's, first. That's fine. <laughs> well, y'all have known each other a long time. so yeah, I, we, I always we let you talk first. I know you do. That's why <laughs> I started, darling. Um, the big thing is uh, Nancy and I are going to make three people happy tonight. You still have an opportunity to be one of those three people by purchasing your Grail Forum raffle ticket. We only have a few left. We will begin the raffle by drawing for the $5,000 prize. That way, everybody who bought a ticket, don't get kicked out early. You're going to get the $5,000 prize first, then the $1,000, and then last, and yes, least, the 500 Hey, I'd be happy with the 500 I can't even get them to draw my name for a door prize. Speaking <laughs> of door prizes, thank you so much, everybody, for being with us today, and thank you for supporting me, and I give it to my good friend, Janet Dickelman. Thank you. Thank you, David. And I have to say, I just took a call about 10 minutes ago from somebody calling about um, wanting to know how to get a Braille form raffle ticket. So people are buying them at our wonderful at our banquet today. Can I have a second just to talk about our banquet for those of you who aren't familiar with it? We are going to have a wonderful banquet this evening with our 
guest, um, Peter Sagal from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, NPR's wonderful show. And Peter is an outstanding speaker. And I know everyone's going to really enjoy his presentation, along with several different awards this evening are going to be given out. And you'll get to see who's at the virtual head table for ACB. All right. I am going to end with a few door prizes. Let's see here who we have here. Hmm. I have a $50 gift certificate donated by ACB Radio Amateurs, who happen to be having their program this afternoon at 2.30. And that will go to Mary Hallbrook of Ackworth, Georgia. Congratulations, Mary. Our next door prize is uh, $25 from Illinois Council of the Blind. And that goes to Rocco uh, Rocco Bonacci of Lawton, Oklahoma. Rocco, sorry if I mispronounced your name, but it's Rocco Bonacci. Then we have $25 Amazon gift certificate donated by the Florida Council of the Blind. And that goes to Sarah Harris of Fresno, California. Let's see, what else can we donate today? How about, oh, here we go. This is a Wi-Fi-enabled thermostat from Emerson called Sensible Talking Thermostat and also a talking keychain thermometer. And this was donated by Bay State Council of the Blind. Uh, Thank you, 